0: The D and Davis Show. D and Davis Show. We got a lot to get into. We definitely have to break down what's going on in the playoffs in the NBA. Uh, we definitely got to talk about uh, the Pooh documentary, and we're going to talk some more baseball and some nabj happenings. First up, we're going to have Sean Hiking from Bleacher Report join us to break down one was going on in Portland, but the entire NBA playoffs and whatever happened to the Lakers and. Luke Walton got that deal pretty fast, and brother's out here thirsty and starving. Then, here from the middays at six seven to score, we're gonna have Lawrence Holm, host, join us. Shout out to Tony Gill. Talk a little bit about Pooh, the Derrick Rose story. He's in there and he's gonna tell us about the documentary and since it's Lawrence, of course, we're going to go over more than just that. He's our big bro. Last but not least, make sure you check out Sean and Maya in the morning. Maya Kai, the sports chica, is going to join us to talk about baseball on the north side and the south side. I'm Kenneth Davis, and next up is the chocolate one himself. His name is?
1: D, DeMond Sproul right here. Hey, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at D and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D and Davis Show. Recording right here at seven. Your score. Instagram, I saw this Show. Oh, you did? Would you talk to
0: him? I was sitting close to Giordano's and he was. He was outside? Yeah, he was coming off a lake away from me. So I saw him. And I looked, I said, damn, I think that's Mitch. And I was like, okay. I threw up the, the one finger. You then see? we started talking. I was like, I got to email you. I got to email you. <laughs> and He <laughs> said, no, don't. And I was like, I have to anyway.
1: <laughs> okay. he said, that don't was fun, yeah. It was a fun nightmare. Nah, um, hey, also Facebook.com forward slash D and David Show. Once again, it's Facebook.com forward slash D David Show. D and Show at gmail.com. And also always read the articles at wearereekaradio.com. Also, hey, you listen to the show? You can listen to kind of like slash watch. Shout out to Ryan on YouTube. That's right. D and Davis, the show and D N. Davis, the flip, both on YouTube. We have our YouTube channel Just simply go and search for D and Davis show. I'm on Twitter at Demons one D E M O N Z E one. Ken is on Twitter at that's Davis, executive producer of the D N. Davis show and D and Davis, the flip one. Mr. Ryan Bukabeski, you can find Ryan on Twitter at Ryan B ski and hanging out with us is one Mr. Guy. You got a very creative Twitter handle. What is it again? Guy? Pay the Guy. Sweet. That's a good one. He That's got pro- a seasick in here, too. Yeah, he do. That's probably, you know what? I, I'm I'm going to toot your horn a little bit. That's probably one of the best Twitter handles I've ever heard. Pay yeah. the Guy. Close, is, almost as great as Das Davis. No, nah, yours is a better guy. Can't be. Man, nah, it is. It is. You're and Tony Gillis
0: is sitting on the floor. You're a hater in one and a half. How am I a hater? I'm
1: giving him the props. It's That's
0: a simple damn. Simple ass but demise, demise won. one. Yeah, it's very simple. You ain't creative at all with that. I don't care you not like guiding his waves. Look at those waves. I had waves like that at one point. No, you didn't. Oh, yeah, I did. No, I see that ball spot. You. No, you didn't. I, I, I did. Never. Oh, yes, I did. It I remember could, one time. God, can he have waves like you? Mm, let me like hell to
1: the <laughs> <mouth>. <laughs> And then he started rubbing his head like, ooh, you crazy. You <laughs> <still> crazy. <laughs> no, man. In my, I was, oh, I remember one time I went to the barbershop. I was about 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. Dude, I took up my dude rag Oh, snap. The barber said, what? damn, boy, what you putting in your hair? Damn, look at the waves!" I said, "Yes, sir. Just give me this. Just, just even it out for me, brother. Ooh, I was rocking a do rag hard with the waves and the what is it? Uh, what's the three what? sixty? Yeah. Oh man, all that. Ooh, had him seasick. Seasick. See, God just can't live out here. <laughs> Adam seasick now, nah, boy. You can't see nothing. You can see what I'm thinking." <laughs> Oh. Salt, salt and pepper. I could have oh. did. You know, like I said before, it's there. It just takes a long time to grow. Grow it. I don't had all that time. I want you to. <laughs> it hurt my heart. I was like, I don't think he can do it, but he can make things happen. So I go <laughs> with him. I it's something up there. Don't. It's something there. It's just. It's just thin, and it's leaving me. So, you know. I you just know. said forget it. I just cut it all off. <laughs> Real quick. Yeah.
0: No, we were lucky enough this weekend. And uh, for Dan Davis to flip to have your father in studio. Oh, yeah. Uh, what did he say about coming down for the show? Hey,
1: he loved it. it he great. came over to the crib afterwards. He said, hey, man, that's a really good thing you got going on right there. Yeah. I, said, that's, that's, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't know about all the topics you're talking about your sex and stuff, but that was pretty good. I want to, yeah, I want to, <laughs>
0: hey, he you brought your daddy down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I didn't know.
0: I was like, damn, I ain't know. Even though I think... I think, I thought about it like the last couple of days. I was like, I think he mentioned perhaps they haven't had a dis- you, you. Everyone, your grandmother, your mother, and your father. Mm-hmm. I think, cause and it's not that you wouldn't tell him, but I think right, it was right, like right. you hadn't talked. So it did, no. at the time, though, I thought y'all had. No, oh,
1: no, no, it's all right. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah.
0: right. No, you no, jumped, oh, you would have <laughs> said something. On the way. I'm like, you didn't have to say that about my tell my daddy about me getting snipped. No. You would have said something if it was a <laughs> no. big problem. No. no, but it was. I thought it was a great show. I think I thought he brought up some uh, brought the some greatness out of that. Yeah,
1: show. man, he hit me up today, like, hey, man, this guy's over here working on the phone line. He, I found that he going to Milwaukee to see the brewers. He said, uh, what's your what's your links to your show so I can send it to him? I'm mm. like, all right, yeah, here, here you go. So man, my pops is always uh, you know, saying down to kind of spread uh spread the good word, whatever he's doing, uh whatever uh, anybody else is doing. Uh been an entrepreneur at for at a very young age. You opened up his uh, two sub well, opened one subway and inherited the other one. Man, my pops had to be in his early tw- I mean not early 20s he 26 nah yeah, he was by maybe mid to late 20s when he opened I, up them I stores I thought we talked he said 26 oh he said 26 yeah I think because Tony was talking to him I oh okay he yeah
0: he was 26 when he opened
1: up his he first was car. pushing carts at Dominic's and the next thing I know my mom was like your daddy's going to this thing called Subway University I'm like what <laughs> like what, is, what where is he going Connecticut I was about maybe 9 to 10 years old I don't think I was 9 to 10 I, maybe 8 or 9 some people are young. So You
2: was pushing cars.
1: Yeah. No. But that was a Kmart. Oh yeah. I was. Well, let me tell you. This. I have to tell you about my Kmart story. Oh no. I tell you about my Kmart story. Yes, D, we know you were the greatest car pusher of all time. Let me tell you this story right quick. <laughs> my old man probably ain't had nothing on me. One day I was at work. I was at the Kmart on ninety fifth and Pulaski. Mm, not Pulaski. Was it Pulaski? Yeah, Pulaski, right? Mm-hmm. So right now, if anybody out there listening on the southwest side, that's now a Home Depot and a Jewel. Jewel always been there. The Home Depot is now there, right? But the Kmart used to be right there. And then I helped them move across the street to another Kmart. But one day my manager came to me and said, you know what? It's some carts across the street at Chuck E. Cheese. I said, oh, I got 10 minutes left on my job. I'm about to get off. She's like, no nah, demands. I need you to go get these carts. <laughs> so few i them over there. I need you to go get them for me right quick. I said, I'm in, okay, I fine. I was about to junior high school, so I was about 16, 17 years old. I walk over there, and all I smell in the wind is weed. I said, damn it, what's going on over here? <laughs> <laughs> so I see one cart, I see another one, I said, man, okay, all right. I look, I go, can I go around the corner? It's about nine or ten carts over there. Now I didn't cross the street. 95th Street. I didn't call co- I didn't cross the street. 95th I mean, Street is large, everyone. Large. It's like
0: four, let's let's three lanes on both sides. Three lanes on both sides. <clears throat>
1: So the guys out there smoking weed, they're like, man, what you doing over here? I said, man, I gotta get these carts. I said, man, they made you go across the street to get some carts. I said, man, I quit that job. I was you. I said, nah, man, I'm, Hit I'm this. <laughs> <laughs> and my day I probably did. But anyway, so I get these carts, I line them up, and I'm pushing, I'm pushing them. Then I get to the then I get to the intersection. There's a light. I have, now I'm a small dude. I have about a good 10 to 12 carts in me. Oh, you know, and I'm having, you know, we don't have the machines. And I don't have the rope. I just, I got to got these carts with my hips and my hands. That's all I got. And I'm looking and I got to wait for the green light. And the cars are people looking at me like, what the hell are you doing all these carts? He's stealing them. <laughs> he's about to sell them carts. <laughs> what are you doing all these carts? Yeah, the he's the stealing carts cards now. And I'm looking at them like, man, I got to get across the street. Man, that light turned green. You would not believe how fast I was running across 95th Street with 10 and 12 carts. Let me tell you something, my old man never did nothing like that.
2: Great story, Grandpa. Could have used a vampire though. Yeah,
0: but he went to Subway University on he your way. He went to
1: Subway University. He put me, helped me he put me through own college. Got his business.
2: He helped me put me through
1: college. You may need
2: to take that out. Right? <laughs> that was a long story.
1: That was a good story. Oh, no, that's Stan. <laughs> <laughs> but shout out to my old man. Yeah, he came down, man. He had a really good time. He really enjoyed the company. Um, definitely, I think you want to come down again. He was like, man, <laughs> I, he, I was kind of nervous. I didn't know what y'all was going to talk about, so I really didn't get on the mic. But nah, man, I kind of feel it, man. I I think I can do it. I'm like, ah. My pops is not the most talkative dude. Oh, really? Nah, he's not. He's not. So it would be kind of interesting to see. Like, I am not. I mean, he's my stepfather, but he's my father. I mean, it's, you know I'm your saying? Daddy. it's my daddy, right? It's your daddy. I get more of my talkative side from my, my mother and my aunt. Not even my mother, but really my aunt or whatever like that, my grandmother. But uh, he's not that talkative, so it's going to be kind of interesting to see when he comes down what he says. And We got to have um, yeah. wise, the, the wiser dudes come in and give us their thoughts and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think that's a good thing. Since Tony's not our uh, executive producer anymore, maybe we won't have to bring the missus down now. Oh, they're not coming.
3: All right. <laughs> so, uh,
0: I got to sleep. <laughs> Dude, i to play games with my Chanel wife. Chanel would be great for the show. <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to let you know. Oh, I think Afna would be really good, because well, let's what? do it. Pass. See? Um... <laughs> Uh, what was I going to say? Look, real quick, getting back into sports yeah. and talking about, you know, we're going to have Sean Hyken and join us from Bleacher Report. Talk about who's going to contend. We know who's going go to contend. Golden State should win it all. But who's who's the, the best odds? Who has the best odds of perhaps defeating Golden State? But one thing has happened to Golden State. We found out uh, prior to the show that uh, DeMarcus Cousins is, is gone, gone. Yeah. Directly past him. And that's what I mean about getting used to the playoffs. They don't call as many fouls. You can't be lazy on passes. And and you hope that Cousins is not hurt because he's staying down on the floor on the defensive end, grabbing his left hip area. Thought he
4: had the steal, then landed hard, and it's a three-pointer for Shabbat. And DeMarcus Cousins limping toward the bench. He
0: has to come out, Marvin. I don't know if the team saw it, and they did. And. They're calling that for him and he looks very frustrated running to the side but in the playoffs he gets in the passing lane this is what you want but right here not to make fun of the injury but we call that a flat tire when a player just falls and he isn't touched by anyone and uh, demarcus has made it back from that torn a left achilles tendon that was suffered last january when he's with the pelicans he, uh, out indefinitely. T- he's out indefinitely. He tore his um, quad. quadriceps. Quad. Yeah, tore his quad. Did you see the picture of it? I saw him landing and holding his leg. No, no. He had a picture of walking, and you could
1: see the, the muscle, muscle pulled the muscle all the way up. muscle pulled up. Yeah. Ooh. If anybody out there wrestling fans, Triple H had to have Triple H twice. Your quad basically rips yeah, and rolls, rolls up.
3: up. Yeah,
0: and I, the worst part. Uh, When you talk about the gamble that he did on himself to win a title, rehabilitate with this with this team, and now I mean for the for the for the foreseeable future, and and the thoughts of perhaps he could have easily gotten it may not have it may have only been three years, but he could have gotten twenty million dollars a year in this NBA if he just played the way he was playing with Golden State. I don't see him. Perhaps I don't. I know he won't be able to get that.
1: But over the long haul now, what do you think is gonna happen with DeMarcus Cousin in his career? Uh you know what? I was actually just bringing it up. How old is DeMarcus? He is twenty eight. He's 28 years old about from Mobile, Alabama. Um, this is definitely a setback. Yeah. You look at uh, a quad a quad injury like that, it it could take a year. I mean, you know you you, you rip your Achilles, and he was out for just about a year. It's gonna take longer. I mean, it shouldn't take as long as your Achilles. No, it shouldn't, but this is the thing though. Is it's, it the same leg as Achilles? Oh, okay, Ryan's saying it is. So I don't, it, his health, the luck the luck of him has been just just bad. Yeah. Especially right now, unfortunately, when you get to finally two teams that could probably do something with the Pelicans, they made the playoff run and he wasn't there. Yeah. And now you get the Golden State, the the Mecca right now of, of the NBA, and you can't stay healthy and you can't and you can and you can uh participate in that, possibly going to get a ring. But this is my thing though. A man that size, yes, he is young, but his body literally is like breaking down in front of us. At a very young age, that's the only thing he has on his side is his youth. But man, you talking about a quad and his muscle kind of like is kind of I don't know I don't know if it came off the bone, but I mean that's a that's a, a that's a big injury for for a basketball player and, and a man of his size. He already is not a leaper, and you know the Achilles kind of took him down an inch uh, already. You talking about your quads, your quads. Besides your hamstring, obviously. That's your explosion, right? That's there. your explosion. And also, too, just a simple fact, he's already kind of like a ground, kind of ground based kind of a basketball player. Man, you can't move around like the way you used to. I'm not gonna say he's he's uh, his career isn't over. He's not ever gonna make the money he was possibly going to make. That's sad. That's the saddest part. He's never gonna make that money now. Ooh, that's man, he was
0: before injuring himself. With the
1: Pelicans. Best center in the NBA. Yeah. And
0: easily he was going to get a 160 or above deal, depending on yep. if, if if it was if the Pelicans, whoever had his bird rights or how it went like mm-hmm. that. He could have opted. Even if the, he went to a team that didn't have his bird rights, I'm sure that he would have put an opt-out out to get, in, to get back in to get some of that money. And now you're talking about this year he made five-something million dollars. Mm-hmm. And that, man, if he signs in The crazy part is, and I, I know it probably wouldn't happen now with Dale Dimps not being there. Man, what happened if the Pelicans was like, man, bring your ass back
1: down here. Oh, if they, if they, no, not no more. We,
0: I'm, not, we bad. You made bad, but we just the most He's money. going to I'm gonna give you i am I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you a light Derrick, a Derrick Rose. Right.
1: <laughs> He's probably not going to play basketball until next halfway through the season. Halfway through the season, next February, it's gonna be the same thing he just went through. And now you got to ingratiate yourself with a new team because yeah. who's? Well, go to state. Don't know what's going to happen even they with don't, KD. They they don't they don't don't, He's not taking that type of money anyway. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's kind of like you. Do you really even need him? I mean that's, that's going to be the outlook of him on his career. It's kind of like, okay, so what can you do? You're this young, you're this big, and your body is literally breaking down. I, what's the risk for this? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm uh, Demarcus' cousin. Uh, what's going to happen and what's going to be his future. Listen, he's probably going to get a ring because I think they're going to win the championship. go to say have a good opportunity yeah, to the championship. A championship. But, yeah.
0: Look, I got a question for Tony, our former executive producer. You can find him on the Lawrence Holmes show at noon. Lawrence Holmes is going to join us a little bit later. Tony's messing up the studio. Uh, Tony, I got a question. All right. Yeah. Also check out Tony's podcast, No Zones, and his podcast with Julie DeCaro. julie Hill. Between the headlines. Good one, D.
2: Behind the headlines. I knew
0: knew I I wasn't going to say that, and you messed me up. Damn it. All right, all right. But, Tony, now, is is this a large hindrance for Golden State because they've spent so much time trying to acclimate him to their system? And even if he's a defensive liability— Offensively, you thought you were going to have him out there to kind of wear down whoever was digging him up on the on the uh, defensive side. It, so, so is this? I mean, we all know Golden State should still win, but when you spend half of a season trying to ingratiate him in the team and now losing him and expecting to get that tick for them, is that is that kind of a, a chink in their armor?
2: Um, I don't think so uh, because one, they didn't really have him. If you you know calculate the amount of time that they've been spent together, um, they didn't really have him for the majority of the season. had him since what Christmas? Uh, about, yeah, about, about Christmas? Yeah,
0: about Christmas. It's half a year. Uh,
2: but yeah, I think I think there'll be it'll, it'll it's tough because they've grown that relationship with him, and is knowing what he's been through, they felt like they were a part of that growth in his return uh, back to kind of almost where he was. He wasn't. He'll probably never be quite where he was because of that Achilles but he he looked really good mm-hmm. but he, he added a different dynamic to that team where at once at that position um, guys would just have to go have a seat because they couldn't really stay on the court because one they couldn't provide any offense Andrew Bogut Kevin Looney at one point, mm-hmm. uh, Jordan Bell, they they had to go sit down and they had to go small because that center position was getting ate up too many times on the other end. But with Boogie, you can kind of leave him out there. Yeah, he'll draw a foul or two, but he, can, he was a relatively smart defender mm-hmm. um, when he wanted to be. And he provided a lot of offense. There wasn't a time where you had an extra body in the paint waiting for Steph or KD to drive the, uh, in the area. Now, I think DeMarcus Cousins was the key to, like, finishing Houston. Mm-hmm. Now, I still think Golden State can beat Houston, but DeMarcus was the key to, like, okay, is not going to be in the paint anymore. Mm-hmm. Because now you got to guard Boogie at the three-point line. He provided a lot of spacing from the center position that I think they were starting to get used to and, and enjoy. But now they have to go back to, you know, where they was. Mm-hmm. It, going back to, they got Andrew Bogan on the roster, who, who actually played pretty well, considering. But they're going to have to go back to, all right, KD, all right, Steph, yeah. let's, let's do this. Mm, I agree with you.
1: Now, I'm looking at the article coming out of the San Francisco Chronicle. They're talking about uh, the quad injuries and how NBA stars recover from it. I forget about this. Uh, that's what ended Charles Barkley's career. Yeah, but he was fifty-two. I know. I'm just saying though. I'm just saying how I mean, he b- how was bad it was. Old, old. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's like, is he was like still averaging like a, a double double. Was he even forty yet when he retired?
0: Yeah, he was about forty. Was he? Because it was with uh, Mike. Nah, he was probably thirty-eight, thirty-nine. Yeah, because uh, yeah, when like Mike he was went 30. to the Wizards, he tried to get Barkley to come out of retirement.
1: Yeah. Now it says the good news for Cousin. He tore his quad muscle and didn't rupture his tendon like Parker. And uh, Oladipo did. So that's good news. Uh, it says even a severely torn, torn quad muscle typically requires six plus weeks of recovery. Uh, this is from what Dr. Schultz said, a, medicine, uh, a sports medicine specialist. He was
0: putting him out forever.
1: Uh, well, I thought he had torn. I thought he had torn him from the tendon. I thought he did. From when he looked, looked, it looked like he had torn it completely. Okay, sports science. Dude. Now it says uh, DeMarc, um, uh, DeAndre Fox missed it like three weeks after he probably torn his right quad uh, back in 2017, so maybe that's why they're saying it's indefinitely. De'Aaron Fox, who did I just say De'Andre. DeAndre. Oh, De'Aaron. I'm sorry. Um, but no, looking at De'Aaron, De'Aaron Fox, he didn't. He tore his muscle, and it came back within like three weeks. So I mean, that's that is something good at least for the for the, for the Warriors. Maybe that's why it's like that's he's that's why I
0: said maybe he can get back to it. Maybe finals. come back
1: in the finals, but yeah, it ain't gonna work. I don't know if it's gonna work or not. Mm, Coming off man. the
0: bench in his wheelchair <laughs> Boogie He's <laughs> have spinning Looking all mean mugging I'm about yeah. to foul somebody up in This,
1: this seat. is Tony Parker Had this injury Kawhi Leonard Victor Lodipo, uh Blake Griffin Who's out now for the entire At least for the first round He's he's, he's hurt on. now That's the only round exactly. Yeah I know Well, And remember Tony Parker
0: Was taking snipes at Kawhi uh, For talking about oh, I mean, Yeah that's it, right That you should have Mine was like this It was worse than yours You should have been yeah. back yeah, and Kawhi still counting his money, and you see, Majerias is letting him sit out any game you feel
1: like. But yeah, but but those guys are smaller guys. I, I mean, yes, they're, they're vertical. They're smaller guys, but they and Boogie is a big dude. But those guys are speed merchants, and De'Aaron
0: Fox is a lot younger, but he hasn't lost anything with his speed. No, he's season. not. I mean, I mean, Boogie's already already kind of a plotter. He is a plotter. But damn, how much of a plotter can you? I be mean, the, now the thing, But the thing is this. The real thing is if he re-injures it because we see it's not as significant. So he should be able to come back from it. Now, again, coming back, we're not saying he's going to come back to pre-Achilles injury, Boogie. But he should be able to come back to how he was performing this season. Well, would you even bring him back, though, the Warriors? Well, it depends on if he wants to. Hey. This is the thing, though. This is, this is on Boogie. So Boogie, who last year said basically it seems like the only deal we know of, perhaps there was one more, was what the Pelicans had put on the table, and he was mm-hmm. like, hey, what that? that's it not enough. Right. All right, I'm going to go do what I want and win. Mm-hmm. So now, does Boogie feel that the clock is ticking on his career and is like, let me try to do a cash grab to recoup some of these this monies that I've lost? Or does he says, I believe in Boogie, and listen, Golden State, if you want to sign me for the veterans minimum again, even though this is only a six-week injury. So he basically... It could be. Yeah, but he, but look how hard he worked to get back from that experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he
1: definitely worked his ass off to get
0: basically we're saying by the start of free agency, he should be able to work out and show people how healthy he is. So it'll depend on—you know, you're probably going to see a team do a contract with him with stipulations and games played and how that uh, correlates with, uh, with the amount of money he gets.
1: That is a gamble, but as I said before, this is two seasons in a row that we've literally seen him just crumble.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: I watched him when he had the injury against the Bulls. I was watching that game. That was a great overtime. I think the Bulls won that game. I, I I don't remember. But I was watching um this game. I was watching the Warriors game. Mm-hmm. And I'm and laying in the bed watching it. I'm like, damn, he just fell. Like, oh, okay. And when he got up, I thought he hurt his hip. Because okay. I thought he way he fell, he hurt his hip. And uh next thing I know, he's not out there. And I'm seeing that as his quad. I'm like, damn. Literally right before your eyes. But I don't know. I I wouldn't I like Boogie. Um, I like the way he plays. I don't know if I will risk it. And I don't know if I gamble. On
0: Depends it. on the team, though. If I'm, a t- some markets may never get a chance to get a player like this, and you have to, you have to, you have to set the contract to protect yourself. But you have to take the gamble because a guy like him may have never come to your. But your market. he
1: want, but he's going to take the gamble himself. So it's all. I, just look at what he did. You brought up New Orleans. What happened down there? He's like no, that's not good enough. I'm a gamble. Again. He's gambling on himself too. So it's kind of like. Where is he going to go? I know he wants to win a championship.
0: Well, so he's going to win one. Is he well, going to yeah, get this yeah, ring. That's it's
1: true. Yeah. But, I mean, he's going to regulate himself to say, I'm going to go play for this god-awful team, whoever Team X is. I don't think so. He think Boogie thinks a lot of himself as a player and as a person. I think he would want to go somewhere he has a chance to win. But that team, look at him kind of like, dude, you might not even make it.
0: Let me ask you this, and then we got to go to get to the Sean hiking. Does Boogie put his future earnings above winning, knowing that his career mortality is at hand?
1: Mm, That's a good question. Um, I think that he has to, I think he has to look himself in the mirror and say, hey, I'm having these injuries. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get the money that I once could have made. Mm -hmm. Let me just worry about now, my legacy and try to see if I can, I ain't going to say ring chase, but let me try to see if I can at least help a team get over that hump and kind of maybe not even be the sixth man, seventh man, maybe the eighth man or ninth man off the bench. I
0: don't see him not being the sixth man. To me, go get your money. You don't know. Get as much money as you can, for real. I just
1: don't know if anybody's going to give him that.
0: I, they're going to be te- they're going to be teams who will, will will balance the risk. Yeah, but war. if the
1: team comes and say like, "Hey, we the stinky whatever," you think he's going to be like, that's, "All right, let me take it." That's
0: how players end up in markets you don't foresee them ending up in because that's the mm. only
1: team that has the money. I mean, I know money talks. I I agree, but just looking what happened down in Milwaukee, not Milwaukee, you know, New Orleans, and then you make it listen. If you're gonna gamble, you gamble with the Warriors because you know you're gonna win. And thinking of you saying, oh, man, I'm going to win the championships. going to be having looking good on free agency. Yeah, that's a good but thing. You're gonna but say,
0: you're going to get $5 million, you, So, no, he can't sit there. And, again, I, this is if no other team wants him. Say, let me get the veteran minimum again. Well, yeah, I
1: think a team will get a veteran
0: minimum. Well, to go, I, I, I'm saying I think he can get more than that. You
1: think he's going to get more than a veteran minimum?
0: Because I think he can get more than $5 million what team, a season. What
1: team do you think will give him more than the veteran minimum?
0: Um, The Knicks? Memphis. I was going to say the Knicks. Depending on what uh, Miami, th- I think Miami would be ripe for a gamble. For real, I think because the Miami like the stuck what, ninth seed this yeah, year. Yeah, they're st- and they they they've basically have stuck to this narrative of we don't rebuild here. Even though they did tank that year, they was trying to get Derrick Rose. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they they have this. No, we're gonna we're Miami. We're always gonna play. So if you're really? gonna st- if you're gonna stay in that. Type of mode. Now they have again. Hassan Whiteside hasn't necessarily worked out, and I'm sure that contract may be coming to some. Type it event. should be coming up. Sometime, sometime, so sometime. I, the, uh, Michael Jordan's always a liable to mess up. All right. You know what? There you go. Yeah. Maybe Mike. All right, but look. Maybe the Wizards, but they just gave Gilbert all that money. So. Yeah, but see, the, that's a good one. Not Gilbert. John John Wall. I'm sorry, John Wall. That's that's. A, they're, but look, we're just their teams that are probably willing. Uh, Look, a team like, you take away that Jordan, uh, that um, DeAndre Jordan money, and you say, you know what, Boogie, we'll pay you lesser, but we'll structure this deal. And you got a guy like Boogie with Doncic that can pass the ball as well. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are teams... Down in Dallas? Yeah, there are teams out there who are going to sit there, and make sure that that that, that the the cost, the cost evaluation and what could happen if he's not healthy doesn't damage their future, but still look at the upside of getting a, a still a top ten center as he's healthy on your team. He's still because there's not any
1: real centers in the league anyway. I know, but he was already a plotter. It didn't work out. I mean, he didn't really fit. Now, granted, this is Golden State. Yeah, it's Golden but State. But you are taking a chance, and I, if I'm the owner, I'm like, I, I'll give you the minimum that's it because hey, cause brother you might not make it that's the way season. to get you uh, insurance with these contracts oh yeah they do they do they do alright well come on back hey we're going to talk some more basketball we're going to talk to Sean Hyken of the Bleacher Report Give his thought, get his thoughts on the uh, NBA playoffs and also too what would you do uh, with Boogie and can I break it down with Boogie Dean Davis Show
5: hey this is Rich Campbell from the Chicago Tribune and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show
1: D and Davis
0: show right now on the line. We have Sean hiking from the Bleacher Report. Sean, it is nice to hear from you, man. I know we tried in the past, but due to technical difficulties, we couldn't get you on. As you can hear, we're clear right now. We appreciate you joining us. How you doing?
5: I'm doing all right. How about you guys? We're doing, doing good. good. We're doing, doing, good. doing good. No good. technical
0: difficulties today. Yeah, we're, we're clean selling here at 670 to score. Shout out to Mitch for letting us always use the studios. Uh, look, I was having lunch real, uh, earlier with uh, Tony Gill, executive producer of the Lawrence Home Show, and our guy, former producer, and he mentioned we were talking about you being here and then moving out to, to Portland. So I definitely want to start off with the Trailblazers. And I, I guess my first question would be, since you've been there for over a year now, looking at the Trailblazers being just tossed out of the playoffs in the opening round last year and looking at what they're doing this year and what type of changes mentally or system-wise did the Trailblazers implement to make sure that they didn't get the, the same type of uh, production that they got in the last season's playoffs?
6: Well, I think that, I mean,
5: everybody in the organization really felt that last year's results in the playoffs was unacceptable, you know, getting swept by a team that I think they felt they were better than. Uh, this year uh, I mean, I think uh, unfortunately the big the biggest thing you can really point to this year uh two things one, they uh decided to move Evan Turner to the bench, kind of made him the you know the main facilitator in the second unit the opposed to trying to have him play with Dane and c j in the in the starting unit. And that's been a much more comfortable role for him, and I think he's been more effective there. And the other thing is the uh, leap that Yusuf Nurkic made uh, this year, where you know he had, had flashes of you know being a dominant big man, but there was always questions about, oh, is he going to be able to do it consistently? And then he did, and he really had the best year of his career. And then, with about ten games left in the season, he had one of the most horrific injuries you can imagine, and now he's you know not in the picture for the playoffs anymore. But other than that, I think I think I think Damian, Damian Lillard is pretty easy to take for granted because he he's not the flashiest guy, but he just kind of you know he 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 does you know every he does it every year. He's a great leader and he hits big shots. You know, you saw in Game One against Oklahoma City, that's what he was doing.
0: Listen. You mentioned Yusef Nurkic's injury, and my first thought when he went down, and looking at the fact that Enos Cantor is going to get a lot of minutes, is ball movement. Uh, Enos Cantor also is as good of a rebounder as uh, Nurkic was this year, averaging ten point three rebounds. How's the ball movement from the post now that Nurkic is uh, out of the, the out of the team? I mean, away from the team.
5: You know, Cantor has been surprisingly good, kind of in that facilitating role. Like, it, like it, a, lot, a lot of it still runs mostly through Dame and through CJ, but. Uh, you know, I, I think everybody's really happy with what what Ennis Cantor has given them. You know, even particularly look, the, uh game one against Oklahoma City they did on the defensive end. But, you know, he, he obviously has this reputation of a huge liability on that end. But, you know, he was playing solid D, you know, going up against Steven Adams. that You know, I think everybody was really pleased with how, with how he's done so far filling in.
1: Sean, um, let's go to the other team in this matchup, and that would be OKC. Uh, you wrote an article on this report revolving around Paul George's uh, injury. Uh, your thoughts on that, and, and really, who's the next guy, if Paul isn't there, or isn't able to play the way he's been playing, who can step up and fill that void?
5: Well, I think it's just kind of a, a, the, you know, the elephant in the room of the series. You know, Paul George is a guy, he's not going to come out and you know, make an excuse and say, oh, I'm hampered by this or that. But it's pretty obvious to anybody who's been around the team the last couple of days since this series started, his shoulder is not right. He's playing you know, he, you know, in front of reporters talking about how he's pain-free, and guess what? He's wearing a giant wrap of ice around his, uh, around his shoulder. Right. And in game one, I've never seen a player come out for a game Wearing as much of that kinesio tape, uh, you know, you know that black tape that to mm-hmm. put on their mm-hmm. shoulders to, or put on their bodies to help with their circulation. I've never seen anybody have as much of that on in a game as he had on, and you could tell, you know, the way he was shooting and you know, he was missing, you know, open looks that he was normally making, and the Blazers seemed like they felt, okay, you know, he's clearly not right. We're just going to let him take some of those shots. But he got a shot blocked four times. I think it's pretty obvious he's just not right physically, and and if he's not, then I don't know if Oklahoma the city really has a ready-made guy who can step in and, and, and fill that void.
1: I'm guessing maybe the guy who's already, you know, saying average a triple double already is probably going to just turn it up a little bit more. I'm talking about Russell
3: Westbrook.
5: Yeah. and so, But then, but then you run into the risk of, you know, sometimes Russ, when, when he decides he has to go into hero mode, he's going to force things and make mm-hmm. it so that, yeah. you know, he's going to take, you know, take some bad shots or been forced some things. So you're either going to get good Russ or bad Russ. You, you know, we've seen that for years in the playoffs. And if, all of the attention is on him because Paul George isn't able to be as effective as he was for much of the season before the shoulder stuff started bothering him. Yeah, you know, th- That might be somewhere where they run into problems, too. But I certainly wouldn't count them out in the series just yet. I, we're going to need to be a few more games before that plays out.
0: Dan Davis on the line right now, Sean Hyken from the Bleacher Report. Sean, my last question is as far as the Portland and their series. Uh, one, one thing I always think about, and I love the tandem of Dame and C.J. McCollum, but one size wise, it always makes me feel like if this was if if Golden State was gone, they still wouldn't be the odds-on favorite to contend. Can that tandem be a championship can, can, uh, tandem? Would you say?
5: Well, that's a question that I think they've been looking to answer for the last uh, couple of years. Yeah. I think you need another guy who is you know of of that caliber. I mean, I mean, when, when, when they're both that small, you know, there's a, such a liability on the defensive end, and you know, I, I think Dame has gotten better defensively over the years, but he's certainly not great on that end still, and CJ also isn't great on that end. So I, just because of that, I don't know that that's really. You know, something you can you can look at and say, oh, yeah, these two are definitely the best two players in the championship team. I almost feel like CJ should be more of a third if you can get a mm-hmm. guy. I know the problem is they just don't really have any pieces to do that. So, you know, to swing a trade like that, they don't have the cap space to bring in another free agent. So I think as long as Dame and CJ are together, this is kind of going to be what the team is. They're, you know, a very good regular season team. They're going to win 50 or so games every year, you know, get a high seed in the playoffs, maybe get out of the first round, but probably not do much more than that. I think that's kind of the reality of where they are at this point.
0: Last one for Portland. Uh, how did Paul Allen's death affect the team, and how does it affect the future moving forward? As far as the team's going to be sold, and perhaps the players that may have to be you know traded off if uh, the future ownership doesn't look at those players as being that valuable.
5: Well, there's a whole lot up in the air, and actually, uh, Paul Allen's sister Jody uh, was at Game One against Oklahoma City on Sunday, and that was the first game that she's gone to. And and you know he, he wasn't married, he didn't have any kids, and so his sister is kind of the next of kin, and she's the one that's. Uh, that is, you know, is controlling his estate now, and so they're sort of still kind of working through all the legal aspects of that, and she's kind of deciding whether she wants to keep the Blazers or the Seahawks or whether they get, they're going to get sold. I think there's a whole lot of uncertainty about that over the next couple of years. That's going to be played out. So I I I don't really think it's really it, it's the right time to speculate on when that's uh, going to get played out because there's still a whole lot of moving parts on that.
1: D and Davis showing a language right now from Bleacher Report, Mr. Sean Hiking. Follow him on Twitter at is Dean Davis recording right here at six seventy to score. I'm um, gonna kick it over to the Golden State Warriors. Um, their series and right now, I've seen last night Boogie cousin goes down with a quad injury. Uh, your thoughts on that? How, how it's going to impact their uh, series run and maybe you know, saying their uh, championship run.
5: Well, here's the thing about Boogie. Like he has not been, and I mean, obviously part of this is you know they had to integrate him halfway through the season, and the torn Achilles physically was just not something that is easy to come back from, especially for a guy his size. But he was not fitting in. Great. I mean, yeah. I, it, it was it wasn't for lack of trying. He just you know he physically he isn't able to do what he kind of was able to do before the injury. Now pre-injury, DeMarcus Cousins would have been a perfect fit on the Warriors, but he, you know it was it was looking kind of awkward both what he was and wasn't able to do physically and. uh What, uh, and, uh, you know, just, you know, having to reintegrate him halfway through the season when they kind of already have their rotation set and all of this. I don't think it really affects their championship chances very much. I'm Mm -hmm. still not going to not pick the Warriors to win the title because I still think the Warriors are going to win the title as long as, you know, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green are healthy. But it really just sucks for DeMarcus because this is a guy he's played his whole career without having to, uh, without even being being able to play in any playoff games because he was in Sacramento for all those years. And then last year when the New Orleans went to the playoffs, he was out with the Achilles. And now he finally gets to play in the playoffs. He fouls out of his first game, and then he has this long-term injury in his second game. And then, you know, he's got to try to get paid this summer when he's coming off another uh, what seems like a pretty serious injury. So that's just a bad deal for him all around. Do you
1: subscribe to the thought that this could be uh, KD's last playoff run or to simplify him being with the Warriors?
5: It certainly seems that way, doesn't it? I mean, I don't know the guy. I don't really know people in his camp. But around the league, everybody seems pretty convinced that uh, he's probably gone. He's probably going to go to New York. Uh, It's it's to the level of, I'll, I'll say this, last year around this time, there was like basically everybody around the NBA that you talk to who kind of is in the circles of people who know things were basically saying, Oh, LeBron's going to the Lakers. It's a done deal. Like, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of known behind the scenes, but nobody was really going to come out and say it because it's just kind of, uh, you, you, you know, because you, you know, it you wasn't supposed to kind of be done yet. But everybody who kind of knew things just basically knew that that was what was going to happen. From people I've talked to who are connected with the Warriors, they all are kind of operating under the assumption that he's probably going to leave this summer. So, you know, obviously, you know, he can't do anything until July 1st, so there's certainly time for him to change or or for, you know, to not be what it seems. But if I had to guess right now, yeah, I think he's gone and I think he probably goes to the Knicks
0: so let me ask you this question out of the playoff series right now where either they're tied or the lower seed has uh won a game which one do you expect i won't say an upset depending on the team but which one do you expect to be to be unseated by the lower seat the raptors and magic the nuggets and spurs or the 76ers
5: and nets i'm still looking at brooklyn and philly for that one because i mean the the, the the sixers lack of depth is a huge concern and you you look at all the different guys they traded away and those Jimmy butler and uh Tobias Harris trades. They have a great starting five, but they just don't have a whole lot off the bench. That's before you kind of think about, you know, Joel Embiid has been questionable before these first couple of games with the knee uh, tendonitis that he's been dealing with. He didn't look, I mean, he, he looked okay last night, but he didn't look right at that first game. And so that, you know, if your best player is dealing with knee problems and you don't have a whole lot of depth behind him, Philly that I look at as maybe being vulnerable, although certainly what they were able to do last night, really running away with it in the second half, uh, is maybe a little bit reassuring about them, but yeah, I'd still keep an eye on that series if you were talking about potential upsets.
0: Let me ask you this: You brought up that you know, we know they won last night, and you look at the job that Brett Brown has done so far, and he basically has been there through all the process. Yes, the bench is light, but there's an assortment amount of talent in that starting five. Now, is it a situation where there's just too many ingredients in the stew for Brett Brown to kind of have figured it out, and it was just a, a lack of time? Or can you look at Brett Brown with this amount of talent in the starting five and think he could get even more out of it if they were functioning a tad bit more efficiently?
5: Well, it's just an awkward fit because you got a guy like Jimmy Butler, who obviously we know all about from his years in Chicago. He's a guy who has the ball in his hands a lot he can really create for himself. And then you got Ben Simmons alongside him who is just, you know, he's a guy who isn't really a shooter, you know, to put it mildly. And so if he doesn't have the ball in his hand to be able to distribute, you know, there's not really a whole lot he can do where he's, where he's really going to be able to be a threat. But then you have Jimmy Butler next to him who, you know, does need the ball in his hands and does like to kind of ISO and create his own shot and all that kind of stuff. So you just don't, you know, it, it seems like it's just kind of an awkward fit. And then with M B you, you know, you don't know how what he's going to look like health wise on a on a night to night basis. It's just obviously there is a ton of talent in that lineup on paper, but you just, in terms of fit and in terms of what guys' skill sets are. It's a little bit. It, it's a little bit shaky in terms of uh, what what uh, in, in terms of just how well it fits together.
0: Dan Davis on the line right now. We have Sean hiking from the breach report. Sean, I want to get back to you mentioning that you have Golden State, and I do too. I think anybody with common sense knows that it would seem like Golden State should win the title, even if Boogie isn't there. Give me your two or three teams in the entire NBA that you think have the best odds of defeating Golden State.
5: Well, I think Houston is one that you look at and just say okay, they 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 basically blew out Utah the other night and they are a team that basically other than, you know, Tre- uh, Trevor Ariza who uh, you know, maybe we were overestimating his uh, <laughs> yeah. impact, but you know, you look at you know how incredible James Harden has been. That team is still pretty good defensively. You know, Clint Capella is still is still a really tough matchup for them, especially if they're going to have Demarcus Cousins out. That's a team that I think if Chris Paul hadn't gotten hurt in the Conference Finals last year, they would have probably gone to the finals, and then I think they would have beaten Cleveland and won the title. I still look at that team as one that uh golden state is going to have to really uh reckon with in the second round and then in the east i kind of still think i kind of think milwaukee is the one to look at where and i know they don't have the experience of having been in a lot of deep playoff runs before but you look at the level that Giannis is playing at this year obviously he's probably going to win mvp and you know the way that coach bud's system has really just transformed that team with the shooters that they put around him and just the leap that they've made as a team just from last year uh those are the two that I think I would look at and say, you know, these are the ones that maybe will make the series a little bit interesting. But I still fully expect Golden State to win the title.
1: Kyle, I, a, I was going to ask you who you had for your MVP, but I think you just answered it. Um, but let me ask you this, man: What's going on with Kyle Lowry when he gets to the playoffs? It's like he just literally disappeared. It's like oil and water.
5: Yeah, I don't know. That was not that was not a great look for him. And I know, I mean, I know cer- certainly you know you, you can point to the plus minus and other things in terms of. You know, he was still finding other ways to impact the game. But it's just it, when you're the number two seed and you're a team that kinda has this history of disappointing uh playoff finishes, your starting point guard, it's it's not a good look for your starting point guard to come out and have zero points in the game.
1: <laughs> Kyle going <laughs> no, go yeah, Kyle Lauer. No. I, And I was thinking about Kyle <laughs> Cal. Sorry about that, Sean. <laughs> he was on my mind right there. So um last one, for at least for me, uh you still have Golden State winning, but coming out the East is is it Milwaukee? You just said it was Milwaukee. Nah, I'm just saying, is it is, is nobody else? Nobody else has a chance against Milwaukee, in your opinion, Sean? I mean,
5: who else are you? I mean, I guess Boston. You can look at. I still have some questions about them in terms of, you know, in terms of some of the you know the chemistry stuff and mm-hmm. you know how they're going to do. Obviously, this obviously this Indiana team is kind of undermanned with Victor Oladipo. I don't really know how much you're going to be able to take from this series. But yeah. I mean, if Boston can get past Milwaukee in the second round, because that's who they're going to have to play. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, the, 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 I think they would certainly you know, be the favorite because I, I, I don't feel great about Toronto right now after losing to Orlando, and I certainly don't feel great about Philly for all the reasons they talked about mm. with the depth and with uh, what Embiid uh, has looked like physically. But so, you know, maybe Boss, the team I would look at, but i still kind of lean towards Milwaukee. Right.
0: Sean, so I, I got a couple. One, the Lakers. What have you heard about why that debacle happened and why Magic stepped down? But also, what are your thoughts on the Kings signing Luke Walton? Uh, I think Luke Walton is a, a talented young coach. Uh, but I'm still interested with him going to a team that it seems like Vadi, body, body, depending on the wind or depending on what's going on, may get rid of his uh, coach and still be able to maintain his job.
5: Well, I mean, I think that Sacramento's situation is probably a better spot for him than the Lakers' situation was because, you know, it's a talented young team. They, you know, they they kind of tailed off towards the end of the season, but they were in the mix to possibly make the playoffs for. Much of the season. And, you know, it's a talented young team. When you look at guys, you know, Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, uh, Harry Giles, uh, Marvin Bagley, the sort of both. Uh, Bob Don, Bob Donovich, like they, they've got guys on that team that you you know if you take a coach like Luke Walton who's kind of a young guy, you know you can say okay look I can work with this. And the other thing about that job for Luke and why I think this is a good situation for him is there is so little pressure on him because the Kings have not made the playoffs in 13 years. And so if they even make the playoffs, let's see like, they make the playoffs as the eighth seed and get blown out by Golden State or whoever next year. Like th- th- that's fine because hey they made the playoffs and they hadn't made the playoffs in 13 years. So I think that's a really good situation for him. Now as far as the Lake I mean, that's just that that whole, I mean, I don't even know where you want to start with that. But <laughs> I, here, here, here's what I would say that I think the biggest thing to me about that whole Lakers situation is that if you're going to have Magic Johnson be the president of basketball operations as the figurehead, okay, fine, great, like, I get that. But you have to pair him with an executive who has experience doing that and can do the day-to-day stuff and actually mm-hmm. be on the phone with other teams and make trades and sign free agents and analyze the salary cap. Rob Polinka was Kobe Bryant's agent, and that's why he got the job yeah. Yeah. basically you don't have somebody in that front office. I mean, if you want to basically have magic be the public face of the franchise and be the one who comes in and wows everybody in the free agency meetings, and that's kind of his role. and then you have a GM who's an actual GM and kind of does you know the day to day stuff That's fine. Rob Polinka is not that guy. Rob Polinka is also the guy who you're supposed to have come in and you know really wow you in the meeting. You can't have two of the figure guys.
0: Yeah, true. All right, you were here in Chicago, so you saw the Bulls team up close in this organization, and now you're seeing it from afar. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jim Boylan's coaching career, I mean, coaching this season, and also this young core with the Bulls? Is, do they have something? Or, or now, and you being away from it, it looks even more like ah, the Bulls are just bulling?
5: Well, I mean, I'm not really sure about the decision to keep Jim Boylan long-term. It seems like they're going to sign him to an extension, but at the same time, I'm kind of glad they did it they signed him to the extension or they're going to just because it would not serve anybody to have him come into next season as a length dog mm, in terms of
3: uh,
5: oh you know we want you guys to really buy into what this guy is selling but hey he only has one year left in his contract so if they're going to commit to him I'm glad they're actually committing to him now as far as the uh, the young core I mean it's going to depend on who they uh bring in this summer whether you know they draft a point guard like a John Morant or they bring in a veteran point guard like Patrick Beverley somewhere like that but they have some interesting pieces. You know, obviously Zach Levine had a great year. Uh, Otto Porter looked like he was fitting in really well after they made that trade with Washington. Uh, and then Lowry, Markin, and Wendell Carter both uh, seem like they're promising young bigs. And obviously Lowry had that incredible uh, month of February. So there are pieces there that you can look at and say, okay, this is uh, you know they, they're starting to build something. But they have to bring in some other pieces, and they kind of have to establish that continuity and that consistency that I haven't really seen them have in the last couple of years.
1: Sean, any veterans out there you think would be a good fit for the Bulls?
5: The guy that I keep pointing to, and, I mean, he's fresh on everybody's mind last, because of last night's game against uh, the Warriors. But Patrick Beverly, to me, is just the perfect mm, guy to go after this. Because like, he, you know, he's a guy, you know, he's he's a good outside shooter. He can hit open threes. But he doesn't need the ball in his hand, So you can really play him next to Levine. He's a good defender, so he can kind of cover up for some of – zach levine's uh defensive uh, deficiencies he's just you know to me he'd be exactly the kind of guy that i would look to bring in especially at that point guard position which is the one where they're sort of weak right now
1: what do you think of the odds that they might revisit uh bringing derrick rose back
5: uh i don't know whether they will i can tell you from my standpoint i think that's a bad idea on basically every level i don't i don't <laughs> i mean i i understand that you know he's a chicago kid all the fans want it. i, I mm-hmm. get that I don't think it's a good idea. I think it would be a huge distraction just because even if he, even if they bring him in on a short, you know, small money deal and say, look, he's going to come off the bench and be a veteran mentor. I covered that team for however many years that he was there. And he's always the story, even if he isn't trying to be the story, mm-hmm. there's always going to be, you know, let's say he has another injury, misses a couple of games, or, you know, the guy who's starting ahead of him, isn't playing well. You're going to, it's it just, there, there, there's so much baggage that just comes with it. That I just, to me, I think for him, he needs to be able to kind of just move forward, and you know, he you know, he had this you know better you know this this kind of bounce back season uh, in Minnesota, you know you know good, good good for him getting his career back on track. But I think it would be better for him to be able to move forward and kind of go somewhere else. It would be better for the Bulls to just, you know they're trying to move forward with this new core. I don't I don't think just bringing all of the drama that comes with them, you know, the idea of Derrick Rose back in Chicago. I just don't think that's a good idea.
1: All right, Sean, man, thank you so much for hopping on with us for the first time, man. Can't wait to have you on again. We appreciate it. Yeah, good to talk to you guys. All right, that was Sean Hiking of Bleach Report. Make sure you follow Sean on Twitter at Hiking, uh, writer for Bleach Report. As I said before, so uh, that's one person that we say don't bring back Derrick Rose. I think the streets and the in the calls, if you ever hear in Chicago, uh, you might hear kind of like 50-50 of fan base saying like, "Hey, bring them back," but you never know for what's going to
0: happen. Best for both organization and player for them to stay separate. I mean, it would be cool. I mean, something I've even when I said you know I, I would like to see it revisited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said then I don't think it'd be good for Derrick. Um, the thing is, he'll never—he's going to be hurt sometimes. He's going to have a low-bearing time where you're going to rest him. So then you don't know if you can necessarily count on him if he's a key integral piece. But after to that, second half of the season, that three-point shot went to trash.
1: I mean he he never really was a three-point shooter to begin with. I mean he looked good, but yeah, no, you're 100% right.
0: For this but yeah, for this NBA, yeah, you yeah. want a guy that can you know, you yeah. want someone that can keep a guy home and keep a guy you. honest. So, look, I, I just want him to get his money and the Bulls to get better.
1: But this is my question. What's the appetite on the free agent market for Derrick Rose? It's probably a decent. You compared, it's totally great. It's it's way better than what it was a year ago. Even though even though we already know everything we said before. He's going to be hurt his his, uh, his three-point shot is not there. He can be that veteran leader, dude. Do, can, we, th- do we think maybe a championship-laden team? I don't know. No, I mean, where is he going to be? He can be, be a great six-man. A great six-man? Yeah, I mean, because you, you're, you're— That's you're, a lot. You're saying a great, not good?
0: Great? I, I mean, I think there's really only two to three a year six-man that you may be able to deem great. We can go argue over if it's very good or great. I think if you... And I'm not saying he can be exactly Lou Williams. Mm-hmm. But I think when you look at... Then that's the perfect position for him. You want him to come in and, and be a guy a guy that has the ball in his hand, so he can do what he needs to do. Get to the rack. Yeah. Create open shots for other players by sucking in the defense. And also you can limit his minutes by him not being a starter. Even though you can do it in the starting lineup. But I think a lot of teams that are looking for a guy to ignite off the bench, let alone... I mean, he has a name with him too. This is the only place where it, that name... It, to half of the city could be a hindrance right there's still nationally there are a lot of people that's like hey that's Derrick Rose and some nights you see flashes of mm. old Derrick Rose but I think that I mean the, the role he was intended to play in Minnesota but then you look at the fact that Teague was injured right and also they traded Jimmy Butler they away they kind of thrust him into the exactly. but the but yeah. that six man role Listen on a team that's ready to go and you and, and now he was playing for under the vet, veterans minimum he can get him about
1: eight or nine easy ten million annually we thought that was going to be Women, did he start? He wasn't starting when he was in Cleveland. He was coming off the bench too, right? Mm-hmm. It just didn't work unless out. somebody was hurt. But yeah, yeah, yeah it just didn't, it didn't work, work out. It didn't, didn't
0: work out. Yeah, it didn't work out at all. So looking at from New York to Cleveland, now there Minnesota, it's been terrific. I mean, so yeah,
1: Bulls separate Patrick Beverly makes more sense. He does, but he makes he makes sense as a starter. Yeah, right. So, I mean, that's that's if if they trade Chris Dunn or maybe just push Chris Dunn and say, okay, you're going to be our backup. Man, they got 110 dudes that they can be like.
0: I I feel you. G League guys, they'd be like, you want some more ticks? Starting in the back of the... (laughs) Do you need some ticks, sir? Right. Are,
1: you, are you tired of all of the uh, ladies out there
0: in Hoffman Estates? So I mean, the city. yeah, man. So no, I, w- I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even. It wouldn't even matter to me or, or whatever. But as long as they stay separate, Bulls need to continue going. Mm. Whatever they plan on doing, it's yeah. no reason to try to play the old nostalgia game. But they close though. You know
1: they are still close. Ryan's well up been close to
0: all his. What did he do with Doug Collins was, though? Said, I don't no, want to fire you again. Firing. That's true. All right. So you don't want things in bad with Derek again because they're going to end bad. Sooner or later, it's going to be a point where y'all be like, we're not going to pay you. A lot
1: of things in bad with anybody over there. And, uh, Facts. Advocates.
0: Facts. There. So it's best <laughs> bet. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, from from the guys we know, too, the guys that were close to him here uh, that were reporting on him, they, some of them basically say that Derek would be against it. So, I'll just lean towards those guys like okay. BC and stuff like that, and I'll just go along with that. So, yeah.
1: Now, speaking of Derrick Rose, we're going to talk to our big homie, Lawrence Holmes. He was part of the pool documentary that you could see on Stadium. So, we're going to go more in depth with Derrick Rose on the court, out, uh, off the court, everything. Come on back. Dean Davis show. What's up, everybody? It's Cameron Smith from CBS 2 Chicago listening to the
3: D and Davis
0: show D and Davis show recording out of six seven score. Thanks to Mitch. And right now you can hear this man every day from noon to two and also check out his loho daily podcast afterwards. You can find Lawrence home at six seven to score again at noon has that noon show. We're very proud of our big brother, man. How are you doing?
7: I'm doing really
0: well. What's going on, boys? What's going on? (laughs) Look, you being uh, the showstopper, you are. You were in Pooh The Derrick Rose story. So we definitely want to know your thoughts after watching it and your thoughts going into it. So going into it and Lawrence you're here in Chicago and perhaps nationally a lot of people don't know the uh the firestorm I guess, guess you kind of get or polarizing the polarizing character that Derrick Rose became here in the city. I think nationally people may still uh look at him Fortunately, compared to some of the stuff that went down here, and we all know the stuff that went out in L.A., but going into the documentary, how did you think it was going to be executed, and was it executed as well as you thought, or was it worse?
7: I was actually really proud of what they developed in, in, in that documentary, and I know that it's hard for people to look at it as a documentary, and I understand that. D. Rose is the executive producer of this. BJ Armstrong is the executive producer of it, but from from what I was told, their involvement in it, it's not like they were doing like final cut. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like their involvement with it was more so them having the footage of Derek Rose and then trying to figure out cuz apparently it was a mess. Like they tried to do this on their own and they ended up with a mess. And then they were like, we have all this great footage, but we're not really storytellers. Can someone please help us tell this story? And that's where stadium kind of came in. And Scott Diener, who was the driving force behind it, I I thought did a good job. I was glad uh, with the, the group that he brought in to talk about what I think Sylvie called it Chicago sports civil war. Mm -hmm. I think that's a pretty apt description of what went on, because you were either in the camp of Derek needs to play, or you were in the camp of no, he needs to to rest his body. And I mean, those arguments got got really heated. So I'm I'm I thought that they did a really nice job. I was I hadn't seen I seen a couple of previews because you know, I have friends over there, so they had sent me a couple of previews. What they didn't show me was some of the the personal footage with Derek. And I think the, the 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 piece that's gotten the most pub out of this has been him being filmed while being traded yeah. to the Knicks. Um, and and I thought that his reaction, like like to me, it, a lot of it was discussing like how Chicago it was. And I I joked with with the guys on the set afterwards that his reaction was the most Chicago. Shit ever. Like, yes, I'm broken up, and the guys are like, well, we can take a break. He's like, no, 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 let's go. Let's keep going. Like, that's that's very much Chicago, Southside, Englewood. Mm-hmm. So it, just, let's it, go. it just kind of exemplifies it.
0: Dean Davis on the line right now. We have Lawrence Holmes. You can find him middays here at 670 Score. We're not here, but we recorded 670 Score. And also, he's the host of NBC's uh, Bears post game. We're talking about the Pooh Derek Rose story, which aired last night at seven PM. You can find it tomorrow, which is Thursday, on April eighteenth at seven. Saturday at April twentieth, at uh, five, and again that night at ten thirty PM. You can watch it, uh watchstadium.com and check it out on demand. Look, real quick. Yeah, yeah,
7: they're they're finally gonna I think they offered it today when mm-hmm. we're recording, like on demand. On
0: demand, so, yeah.
7: Yeah, so that's good that people can kinda watch it whenever they want.
0: Lawrence, you mentioned the two different camps back then of Derek should play. News kind of got out that after half, halfway through that season that he was healthy enough to play. Where were you then as far as did you feel like Derek should play, and did that change over time, or did it stay the same?
7: No, I, I was uh, fully in the when he's ready, he should come back when he says he's ready. And Because I always had questions about where that information was coming from. Yeah. yeah, Like who was out there telling people that Derek was cleared to play. And it's the same people that screwed up Lou Dang's finals app. Yep. So, so for me, I was very skeptical about this push to get Derrick back on the floor. I will say that you're know, having do, doing some digging on it. I believe that Jerry Reinsdorf told Derrick Rose, "Come back when you're ready." Okay. From from everything I know about Jerry, I believe that he probably said that. I don't believe that the basketball operations people shared that same um, altruism that Reinsdorf did. And I think that they, they were looking at a team that was close to being championship level with a healthy Derrick Rose. And I, I, I felt like they were trying too hard to shame him into getting back on the floor. And it's interesting because one of the, the fun bites that came out of this, first of all, Joaquim Noah is the star of this documentary as far as I'm concerned, but hearing him talk about how he felt awful about the way that that era went because he, he found himself being selfish yeah. and wanting Derek to come back because the team was so good with Derek that he, and this is a guy that he kind of considers to be his best friend, that he didn't take into account what the impact was on Derek and how that wasn't fair to Derek.
1: And Lawrence, to kind of go back before what you just said, how you think Jerry Reinsdorf probably told him to come back when he's ready, but the front office told him, well, it was kind of the, the conflict right there. But that can kind of go into his comments he made earlier this year like, man, I wouldn't want to deal with the Bulls' front office, but if you see pictures with him and Jerry Reinsdorf, it's like a dude walking with his uh, godfather, you know?
7: exactly I, I I think that's a, a really good way to sum it up and and so you know it's 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 part of some of the the struggles that I have with the Bulls front office as it stands right now it's mm-hmm. the, it's the same guys but I will say that um I was told that they were they were holding out on on getting packs like that was the thing that that stadium really wanted to do and considering that packs and and stadium or in the same building, uh, it, it was increasingly difficult. And mm-hmm. once they got them, I think that it, it added a real layer to the discussion. And my hope is that in doing this, that maybe Pax and Gar were reflective about their role in creating some of this drama that went on between fans and Derrick Rose, because they're, they're, they're packed in there points of finger at the media. I would suggest that he also, look in the mirror to, to check his own responsibility because the media was definitely, the calls were coming from inside the house. Yeah. They were definitely getting information from what was going on inside the Bulls organization, and they wanted Derek to play.
0: Lawrence, let me ask you this, and I, I got a question about his the injury, but I, I want to get on something you and D were talking about real quick. So how can we consider Jerry Reinsdorf to be a a, a good owner, all right? For a public works when he constantly allows conflicts like this to go from Kenny and Ozzie and and we can say Derek in the front office, we can say Thibault in the front office like you're much closer to this than us. Have you heard anything about is this maddening? To Jerry Reinsdorf, or is this something that he? You kind of hear this about the president. Is this something that he he likes uh, for the the team and for the front office to be up in turmoil and, and figures that the cream's going to rise to the top? Like, why does he allow this to continually go along or go around?
7: I I don't think that he likes it at all. I I, I don't think that that Jerry wants discord. There are some people who believe that you can get a better product out of people if you have discord um, from. I, I'm a lot closer with the White Sox than I am the Bulls, and I can tell you that that while all that stuff was going on, it wasn't well received mm. by ownership that they they because of the winning, it felt more like a family than than a business. And what i I perceived the way I looked at it as you had this this guy who had for lack of a, a better term. His sons, his sons were arguing and that he was going to have to choose between the two sons if it was ever going to work out. There was a, a lot of attempts from an ownership level to try and mend the fences between Ozzy and Kenny. Um, I, I can't speak on what, what level that happened as far as the Bulls go. But but I can tell you that I, I don't think that I don't think Jerry rolls like that. I think he would prefer that everybody got along and I think that he sees it and if you listen to some of the comments from Michael Reinsdorf, like he's not really that dude either. Like like he's not like a the tweaking guy, like, yeah, we'll get this Hornet's nest all stirred up and, and then we're gonna have ourselves a thing. They would rather you not know their name. You know, they, they would rather hire the people and then have those people do a good job. Where I think that, that Jerry gets in trouble um, is he is so loyal to people that have been loyal to him. Mm-hmm. And in the case of the Bulls and John Paxton, there's, John Paxton, the player, should be beloved. John Paxton, the player, did a lot for Bulls basketball. John, John Paxton, the the broadcaster did a lot for Bulls basketball. It's it's in this role of executive where I think that he hasn't lived up to the expectation of the job. And I don't think it's a lack of trying. I think Patch tries really hard. And I I think that he grinds himself into dust doing it. It has become, quite honestly, unpleasant because of the way that he goes about doing it. But I don't think that that, I think that Jerry's loyalty to him is so strong, and you can ask people. I mean, ask Randy Brown. Like, like you can ask a lot. Ask Jay Williams uh, about the the level of loyalty that Jerry Reinsdorf will show people that have been loyal to him. That's it's a it's a great thing to fail at that you're too loyal. Like that's a that's a great negative to have. But in the case of the Bulls, it, I think that it has hindered their growth as a franchise, and that's something that, that they have to figure out. That being said, if I'm Jerry Reinsdorf, I'm sitting on six rings, and the greatest player who's ever played the game on the basketball side. I think that, that for him, and it's, it's, a, it's an easy trope, and I and I, I admit that I am making the same trope, but... The basketball team is a business for Jerry. Yeah, the baseball team is a passion for him, and and the way that the two are run is different, in my opinion.
0: Dean Davis, showing the line Lawrence home, host of the noon show at six seventy score at Lawrence. One, I'm not asking Jay Williams anything because he always chooses LeBron over Jordan. And I'm like, you were a bull and Jerry gave you that money. <laughs> so I'm not going to ask him. When I see him, we're going to have a discussion on that. But real quick, I want to Don't ask you. Don't have
7: him on motorcycles. Uh, yeah, I know, right?
0: Listen, I, that day, dude, I basically cried. Like, I, and I was listening to the score. And now it was a summer day. I'm in my room. Like, Jay Williams ripped off his style. I'm like, no. I'm glad I saw the triple double. I
1: will say that in I, person. I said I my hated hey, Kirk Hyde for a year.
7: Let me tell you something. That accident was around the corner from my apartment. Whoa.
1: Were you at home or you was here at the uh, station?
7: I was at the station when it happened, but I I walked through the aftermath of it.
0: Oh. Wow. yeah, Yeah, that was a sad day. Lawrence it
7: really was yeah
0: you yeah. you mentioned and we talked a little bit about kind of vindication as far as Derek's injury and that look at his injury history with the Bulls and since he's left it, it was proven that he really shouldn't have coming back but I remember there was a narrative back then about and maybe the front office put it out I know sometimes I heard it through the media that by him not coming back when the doctors deemed it was a timely return kind of held him from coming back and led to further injuries now I, I would think they should vindicate Derek that is how his body's just given out over time. Do you still think that some people maybe, maybe they were right when it, when it comes to the fact that Derek didn't follow the doctors and that led to his, his, his return having all types of uh, dips and valleys?
7: No, I just think that, I I think that we're probably becoming more sensitive to the mental aspect of this. Mm. It's possible that Derek Rose, that there was nothing Physically wrong with Derrick Rose. The, the difference is is that if a player doesn't trust that, and I'm not saying that there was any sort of malfeasance or malpractice from the doctors, but you have to get back to a point where you believe I can jump as high as I used to jump, I can run as fast as I used to be able to run, I can do all the things that I used to do. There's a lot of doubt that creeps in, and until you get over that doubt. I don't know if it if it's better to work through the doubt away from the spotlight or be thrust into the spotlight. I'm not smart enough to, to give you an answer on that. Mm. I just know that it was very easy for people to play with Derek's knee. It was very easy for them to go, he should be out there without understanding that sometimes it's going to take guys different amounts of time to – come to grips with how they're different, how their body is going to work now versus what happened before. If you're Derrick Rose up until 2012, you're invincible. You're the guy that's dunking through dudes. Mm -hmm. You're the six, three guard that's dunking on six, seven forwards. You're that guy. You're putting people through the bucket your whole life. You've been the tough guy that takes, you guys know how it is. Chicago doesn't breed jump shooters. You know why? Because that you're called out for that. If you're doing that in the street, you're called out. There, there, there can be no Steph Curry from Chicago. <laughs> the city won't allow it. It won't allow it. And dudes that grow up playing outside in Chicago, like you better, you better sharpen up your elbows and, and learn that cradle that that Derrick mm-hmm. Rose w- was so effective at because. You're going to need that when you go up against the trees, and that's the only way you're going to be allowed to score.
1: You heard that from KD talking about Patrick Beverly. Hey, Chicago kids, man, they made different. Um, we are made different. We are. And he, we needs are. To, he needs to explain
7: what's up with that white side. Yeah. Basketball.
1: He needs to – come on here. We got more, yeah, more socks memorabilia in Chicago. I would Chicago. love to know if he's a fan or he just likes the brim. I, I don't know. He likes the
7: brim. Uh, he's wearing it
1: all the time. All the time. Bro. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to see. I like I mean, that. if he wants to come join the Bulls next year,
7: we can hook him up. I mean, it's the same ownership, so. Somebody reach out to him.
0: He can get your tickets.
7: I mean, he don't want my tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure he can get Jerry's tickets, though, if he wants to come play for the Bulls. He sure could.
1: Uh, Lawrence, so we talked a lot about uh, the front office and Jerry Reinsdorf, but let's talk about Derrick Rose camp. We talk about B.J. Armstrong, his agent, his family there. What blame do you think they hold in all of the in all this?
7: A lot. Um, I, I I joked about it with Scott Diener when when we were sitting down. It's one of the things that, that ended up on the cutting room floor. There was a point on my show where I was imploring them to reach out to me because someone needed to tailor their message, and they were doing a. Sh- Job of it, um, so I joked about that with Diener during the interview, and I, I say it in the doc too. The the thing that I think messed it up mm-hmm. is that people wanted to hear from Derek. Like that's the thing. We we have been swept up in the way that he had approached winning the Rookie of the Year, the way that he approached the the MVP. Uh, award and that he gave us a side of like that genuine side of him and when he kind of went radio silence on everyone for whatever reason the void was filled by bj armstrong and reggie and it was easy to dismiss bj because the idea was and i mean i i think there's probably some some truth to this, that he was bitter because Pac got the job and he didn't get the job. So BJ goes into the world of agents, he gets Derrick Rose, and this is his way to push back at the Bulls as an organization. Then you have Reggie just out here living. Like, out (laughs) here... (laughs) You know, he's in the Adidas commercial, like everything, like, and Everyone was kind of like, I mean, it's cool that you got your brother's back and we can appreciate that, but we'd like to hear from the guy. Mm. And as much as we love you, you're not the guy. So when we hear you speaking for Derek, it just seemed like it was so unauthorized. <laughs> you know, like, like it was just, I just want to hear Derek tell me what you're, whatever it is that you're saying. I want to hear it from his mouth. And if I hear it from his mouth, so be it. But I well, what I'm not going to do is sit here and listen to Reggie Rose tell me what's happening because he he had no real standing with with the public at large. Now, people around the team who covered the team, they they knew how instrumental that Reggie was, and I'm not I'm not here to tell you that he wasn't. I mean, this guy Let's be real. He's he saved Derek's life, you know. Like it, Reggie and his and his crew, Derek and his brother, those guys put a a a force field around Derek growing up mm-hmm. to keep him safe. And if you're Derek, you're appreciative of that, and you want to give your brother space to protect you. And Reggie even says that when someone's talking bad about your little brother you know, or someone's fighting, your, beating up your little brother, big brother comes through. That's fine. There there are a lot of people who believe that they're, I know that my brother wouldn't necessarily step in. He would be like, you need to you need to handle your business. Mm-hmm. And maybe you need to take that whooping in and I'll explain to you how you can handle your business. So to go along with the metaphor. Right. Uh, but I, I just thought that that was one of those things that damaged Derek's credibility with the public is that he seemed to have people speaking for him that were more easily dismissed than he would have been.
1: D and Davis show right here online with us right now. Our big homie Lawrence Holmes. Make sure you follow Lawrence on Twitter at Lawrence W Holmes. Uh, so, after after being in it, after watching the documentary, what was your biggest takeaway from the documentary?
7: Like I was saying earlier, Joe Keene's a star, man. Um, I thought that his reaction to it was really raw, mm-hmm. and hearing hearing him discuss honestly some of these these feelings and and explaining what it was like, um, I thought was was really important. It was a really important point of view to to get him. This is some now. Look, I'm. This is going to sound like a flex. I don't. Mean it as a flex. But I did the post show over there after the documentary with Tibbs and John Calipari. Together. Mm-hmm. In studio. Yeah. And one of the things that I walked away from was well, two. Flex. One, I'm not trying to flex. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> Tibbs is really good at talking. And I know it doesn't seem that way, but I don't know if I've ever seen him happier. Mm. And it was fun to, like, hang out and talk with him about all of this stuff. And the fact that Cal flew in from wherever he was out recruiting and was there for the pre-show, stayed through the documentary running, even though he had seen it, hung around for an hour Mm. of the post-show, That's a testament to Derek's impact on those guys. Like, those are not guys that you can just randomly get out of the house. Right. Like, those are real dudes. And the fact that they showed up for it, I thought, was incredible. So, those were two of the the major takeaways that I had. All right, look,
0: before we get out of here, one you said today that you went down to guarantee rate and you talked to Tim Anderson. He's having a fantabulous year this year. He's leading I don't know if it's just the AL if it's it's the uh no, he's leading MLB, yeah, MLB, yeah.
3: Baseball.
0: With his batting average. So listen, one, how was your discussion and you are a former baseball player? Do you see the growth in him as being something that he's stepped up to that next level? And of course, as baseball, he may slightly dip, but he's there. Or is this a kind of one of those, I don't know, Avacel Garcia years where he may be hot this year, but he may not be this player over the long haul? Don't do that to
7: him. I had it broken down to me uh, from Bruce Levine. Like we were having a conversation about this. With Anderson, you're talking about an athlete who happened to play baseball. Um, And I think now you're seeing him mature into a baseball player who's athletic, if that makes any sense.
5: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
7: Um, I think that he has a better understanding of what pitchers are going to try to do to get him out. Now he's not Ted Williams, so he's not going to be hitting 400. I don't think, but I do think, and I, I thought about this last night, I was watching the Cubs and the Marlins and Curtis Granderson's playing for the Marlins and there was a stat that they came up with. Lynn was talking about how Granderson has almost a hundred triples in his career, which is pretty amazing. They got 94 triples. I think that Tim Anderson can be some of what Curtis Granderson is. Mm. I think that's where the, now Granderson is like all the way a baseball player. Like he's been that since he was a little kid. But I think that that's that's what you're hoping he kind of grows up to be, is a guy like that whose baseball smarts are off the charts, and then you add the freaky athleticism to it, and you end up with a a pretty good player. I'm expecting there to be uh, an adjustment. It happens in baseball all the time. Pitchers are going to start looking at more and more film of his at-bats and then figure out ways to get him out. The good news is, is that there seems to be some protection in that lineup, and I'm, I'm really happy to see it. Mm-hmm. Moncada, my God, man, that guy is really hitting, and Abreu is out there doing his thing, and it looks like Aloy is getting more and more comfortable with each at bat. Their lineup could be a problem for people. Their issue is they can't pitch, <laughs> like they just not at all they can't pitch, and I, I'm not sure. How many games you can win if you can't pitch? If they can slug their way to 72, 73 wins, that, I think that would be a major victory for the White Sox as a franchise.
0: All right. You moved to the noon. Uh, you're taking that wonderful show, and you've taken our producer with you. The show is great. I really enjoyed today's show. Yeah, sounds so good. So, listen, let us know, man. How's it feel? How's the show going now? You you know, you, you're putting black people out there in
7: front center. <laughs> I'm trying to. You um, are. Tony keep messing it up though. Oh, oh my <laughs> goodness! <laughs> <laughs> it was a terrible take. No, um, I, I actually really like it. I'm, I'm very happy that the show. I, I felt like the first couple of shows were weren't quite indicative of what we did at night, and, and it was a matter of me settling into the spot. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think that the next week we had like a breakthrough where it was okay for us to be a little bit more goofy and we could descend into some of the things that I think make the night show popular. I also really like bringing guests in studio. You guys know that. Um, and, And, and getting the chance to do that more at that time of day, I think can be really, really powerful. And I, I I love that we're not afraid to ask people. It's a strange thing. People are are actually, like, okay with it. Now, I I say that as I sit in my office in my house talking to you guys instead of in the studio. But (laughs) phone lines are so bad now that a lot of times you you, you have a great guest and you end up with a terrible interview because you can't hear them or they can't hear you or they break up when they're making a great point, and it sucks, you get more real and you get more conversational, in my opinion, when you have someone who is right in front of you. We just had John Vincent, the anthem singer in studio earlier this week, and it it ended up being an incredible conversation about bullying and depression and anxiety and I wasn't sure that that was, I, I just wanted to talk to him about singing. And, and I mean, I know, I mean, John and I have talked before, so I know that he's a guy that has varied interests, but it was amazing to see him really reveal himself. And I, while I've had some interviews over the phone that go that way, I think that it's best done in studio with someone. And it's so much more fun. And it's so much more conversational that I hope that it becomes a standard for what we do. Now, look, there are going to be times when we can't get people in studio, but the fact that Rick Hahn was like, yeah. yeah that I'm was cool. 20 minutes in a segment. Yeah. In and, and a segment, I thought that was great. Like that, and those are the types of things that people will hopefully remember um, and, and, and expect. Like I want them to expect that from our show, that when, when I say I'm bringing someone in the studio we're going to have a real ass conversation and it may be about what's going on in the sports world. And it may not, but no matter what, I, I think that people are going to listen. Um, The beautiful thing about this for me is I'm getting a chance to do my show my way. And if it fails, I'll be sad, but I will have failed on my own Mm -hmm. doing it the way that I want to do it. And there is some honor in that. And I, I just feel like over the last 10 years, the nighttime show has developed into something that's a lot of fun. And now it's a matter of bringing that army of listeners with me to, to middays and maybe turning, changing some minds of the people who, aren't used to listening to a show like this in local radio. Um, there, there are two shows that I look at that are kind of the template for what I'm trying to do. One initially was the Dan Patrick show where it's Dan and the Danette, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's me as the center of the show, but everyone who's involved on the show is involved on the show. And the, the other show is the Dan Levitard show. Like we take a lot from how Dan does his show. And it's funny because Tony can act as Stugat. Like, like he actually like, is some sort of weird hybrid between Billy and Stugat, and it, and it works out. So the goal is that even though it's a quote-unquote solo show, it's really an, an ensemble. I just happen to be the star, mm-hmm. put that in quotation marks, of the ensemble, and if people, if we're having a good time or we're bringing in good, to- good content, I can't imagine that people won't listen. But if they don't listen, I know that I put together the show that I wanted to put together. And and I'm having a really good time doing it. Great. Man,
1: listen, I love, uh, I love watching it. I'm watching it through the Facebook, the Scores Facebook uh, page. So that's really cool. Uh, but no, man, it's, it sounds different. It is different. And that's the one good thing about having different shows across the city. You get something different, that's the key word, in different places. So, man, uh, the show has been great, man. I've, I've been loving it. I, I really do. You're hitting your stride, too. I Me and Tony, it was funny. We
0: were talking the day we had lunch and it was kind of about what you're saying. Is if if something doesn't work out, you do it on your own terms. But to be honest with you, you're really hitting your stride, uh, man. These last this last week alone, but today's show and what you did with Joe Madden and kind of mm-hmm. bringing some fun to it, it is really good. And I mean, of course, joking, saying it is black, but I don't want to take anything away from from you as far as how great you are at your job, and we appreciate watching you do it, bro.
7: Yeah. Oh well, thank you. I appreciate it. Look, the the show should embrace the those elements of my personality, I I am a black man from Chicago South side. Mm -hmm. And that changes my perspective on things. It it might be different than um, other guys at the score for whatever reason, like all of our, our history creates our perspective in that regard. So I want to make sure that I am myself. And I told Tony, I was like, I want you to make sure that you're yourself too. And and he was like, well, can I play these type of music? bounces? like for the most part, I don't care, you know. Like do whatever is going to get you into what it is that we're doing. I I want you to be involved, and and I'm happy that he's there and on the show between me, Tony, and Campy, we we kind of represent three different types of score listener, mm-hmm. where. I'm in the middle of the demo or a little bit past the middle of the demo at this point in my life. I'm, I'm a score lifer. Like I have this relationship with the radio station going all the way back to 1998. I remember monsters. I remember Murph, like all of that stuff. Like that is ingrained in me as a, a, someone who started listening to the radio station when I was 16 years old. Campy, is on the younger side of the demo, but he's old enough that he understands that you have to be responsible with your opinion, Mm -hmm. that you're going to see people that you talk about. And so how you talk about them should reflect you being responsible with your opinion. That being said, he snipes off stuff too, which is great. And then on the far end, you have Tony, who's at the beginning of the demo who is fearless. He's absolutely fearless when it comes to, this is my opinion and this is what it is. Hopefully (laughs) he, he, he will understand that sometimes it's okay to let different information change your opinion.
1: We've been trying to tell him that for years, Lawrence. We've been
7: trying. (laughs) Some of this, some of this stuff is just, actual maturation (laughs) because because i joke about this all the time 27 year old lawrence hates 43 year old Lawrence. Mm. hates him why like because he's looking at him going well wait a minute why aren't you angry like there's so much stuff like why aren't you yelling at the bulls every day i would be yelling at the bulls every day if i were you I would take my shoe off and pound it on the table talking about the Bulls and how bad the Bulls are. And and I, at this point, have realized that I, I'm in a place now where I don't have to do that and because I don't want to take away from the power of it. And if you do it every day, mm. it takes away some of your power from doing it. What I've learned is, and I, I use the metaphor of the golf bag. I've got the driver in the bag. And if I need to bring the driver out, I can bring it out. But I've learned how to play this game without having to use the driver. And if I'm good enough on the greens with my putt, then everyone understands what I'm saying. And I can I can be, I can make a point in a rational tone, and it can be effectively received. But there are times where you do have to pull the driver out. I don't like doing it, and now the audience knows that I don't like doing it because I tell them all the time, I don't want to have to do this. But, but if it rises to the level of me going to the bag and pulling the driver out, you best believe someone is going to get nailed. <laughs> Like, it is, and I'm going to, I'm not going to stop. Like, I'm going to be relentless, and I know this about myself. So not doing that all the time, I think, makes me a better talk show host. 43-year-old Lawrence looks at 27-year-old Lawrence and says, you don't have to be angry all the time. You don't have to do it that way. You're going to kill yourself. If you try and do it that way, so why not bring fun the fun aspects of your personality to the show and have a little fun. Cause at the end of this, we are talking it's sports and we're passionate about it, but we are talking about trying to entertain people so we can do a better job of entertaining them while giving them some information. I think it serves us all better. And I just, I just got to the point where I didn't want to be the angry dude doing this. There's a lot of that around the country. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that at the highest levels of our business. And it's, it's, it's not in me. It's not in me to do all the time. It's in there, but it should be doled out when, when necessary and not used as a way to – it shouldn't be used as a way to try and, and captivate the audience with your anger. I think it makes for a difficult listening, and I think it, it puts your credibility into question.
4: Listen,
1: Lawrence, man, as we said before, um, love the show. Everybody out there listening, make sure you tune into Lawrence Lawrence uh, every day from noon to two, and also check out the podcast, the Loho Daily uh, Podcast. Brother, thank you so much for hopping on with us. And one more thing, real quick. Sure. Uh, I'm Team uh, Oatmeal Raisin. No, we, yeah, that yeah. started. That, whoop, whoop. I'm just saying how I feel. I'm just saying how <laughs> and I, you're I feel. Wrong. <laughs> It's, so it's, one of the, it's one of the few things I, I never thought I would actually say I agree with Tony on.
7: I agree with Tony on that one. All all that tells me is that you've been spending too much time with Tony.
3: <laughs> <laughs> all
7: right, bro. Thanks, man. Thanks for hopping on with us. Man. Have a good one, Lawrence. I'm sorry I, I, I'm sorry I was so long-winded, boys. I really apologize. No,
1: nah, no we love no, that. We, we love it, it, It was educational, man. Have a good night.
7: All right, man. Y'all be good.
1: All right. Thanks, Lawrence. And that was Lawrence Holmes of Six Seventy Score, where we are recording right now. Six Seventy Score. Uh, make sure you follow Lawrence on Twitter at Lawrence W Holmes. All right, coming up next, we're gonna go ahead go up for grabs with one Mister Ryan Bukovetsky. All right, more D and Davis Show. Yo, what up? It's your man Jay Ella, official Chicago Bears DJ, and you are listening to the D and Davis Show. Turn it up. D and Davis show. All right, it is time for a segment we have really grown to love. <sighs> it's called Up for Grabs. <sighs> His beard is so great with one of Mr. Ryan Bukovetsky. Ryan, what you got for us today?
4: Thank you, D, for that excellent transition to Up for Grabs. Really appreciate it. I appreciate the beard compliments, <sighs> What do you put in it? Oh, this is old naturel. This is <sighs> God given talent right here. <sighs> straight from the
0: from the land of Poland.
4: Speaking of God-given talent, let's talk about some historic moments over this weekend and we'll start with Tiger Woods after he made his historic Masters win on Sunday. Many doubted we'd ever see it. But here it is. The return to glory. I never thought we'd see anything that could rival the hug with his father in 1997 but we just did that will be the
0: greatest scene in golf forever Jim Nance and that that hug
4: with his children if that doesn't bring a tear to your eye if you're a parent you're not human
0: now the, the whole euphoria of everything
3: the patrons his emotion the chanting we will never
4: see anything as exhilarating as that fantastic congratulations tiger unbelievable it's his first major in 11 years and broke a record of master's droughts between championships at 14 years four back surgeries four knee surgeries and a master's win at 43 years young How do you rank Tiger's historic win, and what other stories come to mind in trying to rank it?
0: Well, I guess one would probably have to be Muhammad Ali. Um, That would be up there. George Foreman. Um, I guess Mike, when we're talking about, you know, Mike left. Playing with the Wizards? No, I'm talking about like leap No, I'm not like talking about hell no, I'm playing with the Wizards. I'm talking about leaving uh basketball oh, and playing okay, baseball.
3: Like,
0: okay. like, playing with Even though listen, for a forty one year old dude, Mike was phenomenal. He averaged that was 20, phenomenal. Like twenty two points a game. Yeah, yeah. But still, uh look, we Ryan on Up for Grabs last week asked us about the Masters and we all basically was like, It depends on what Tiger does. Mm-hmm. And so it was great to actually see Tiger do that. Side note, the last major he had won, he won that The week, I believe, that I started to work, but we didn't meet for like some months later, but I started to work with where we met. Oh, really? And it's funny because I remember looking at uh, him and Rocco Baldelli, and it was Pebble Beach, I think. Uh, and it was just like it was I was like man bell Beach looks terrific it's beautiful. <laughs> right now I was like man good thing I'm not working yet cuz I cuz there it, it was a playoffs and then the the last match was on a Monday mm. I was like dang if I was working I wouldn't be able to see that. this is fantastic mm-hmm. right and then as we know that was his last major uh look it's, in a way and again I think boxing if we're talking about boxing because it's it's a more physical sport you may be able to elevate the two that I mentioned as far as Muhammad Ali coming back after he wasn't able to fight with his objection to the Vietnam War. And, I mean, George Foreman, that was 20 years after Muhammad Ali beat him that he beat right. Michael Moore. Right. So I would put those above him, but I wouldn't. I couldn't argue hard for what Tiger did. Look, with the field that you have now in in, in golf compared to when Tiger, with Tiger and the confidence that he's shown had basically beaten everybody and it finally took field to get something in his spine to be able to kind of stand up. But these kids don't care. And for him to go out there and pull that off and, and to look what happened where everybody was playing themselves and, and not hitting between
1: the bunker, it was good to see the old man figure it out. Yeah, I was on uh, the Matt McGill and Kim, uh, Kimberly Oguan, Oguan. I think I said the last name right. Uh, probably, probably not. Didn't. <laughs> it's, 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 it's difficult. Anyway, I was on the show in WVON talking about this. And one of the things uh, brought up was the simple fact of how Tiger is playing against all these players that basically like like almost carving copies or the children of Tiger Woods. Physically Yeah, at yeah. The, the workout. I don't know what
0: that one kind of thing was, a basketball player. Uh, the the cat was playing in Air Maxes. Yeah, I believe so. I remember you mentioned that. But I, when I was my first thought, sorry for interrupting you. Yeah. Was look at what Tiger's done,
1: Rory. Just looking at Rory's yeah. body, their backs. I'm like, golfers wasn't working out like this before Tiger did it. John Daly had a pack of Newport's and a six pack of Budweiser, and he was playing around. I mean, he was good. I mean, but that's, and some prostitutes. That too. But but <laughs> but golfers never really. Uh, you know, it's it was more of a hand eye skill sport, you know. Some people even say about uh, baseball players, kind of like, oh, it's just a hand out skill. You don't have to be a you top physical form to be able to do it. But Tiger Woods has really changed that for golf, and to be able to come in and win the Masters, although the past couple of seasons well, years, he had been there, but he would always kind of fizzle at the end. It was
0: it was worse than that. Last year, that that was the Masters last year. When he finally started to look like he may have a chance. Yeah, it, it, he, but yeah. he
1: was but he was kind of high, high rated at least for all the things he uh, he uh, has went through he had a broken leg at one point he broke his leg he actually a had it back.
0: he had it uh, he had that broken leg when he won that, uh, the last uh, yeah, US PJ Open or US Open
1: that's crazy to hear and the one thing with sports you play the field and you literally play the field and it's just you. You could think about a Peyton Manny. He came back with a with a broken neck, and he was uh, able to play with the Denver Broncos, and they won a Super Bowl. You could think about that. As you said, uh, Muhammad Ali. It took years for him to come back. Uh, I was thinking about Michael Jordan. The simple fact that just coming back and playing basketball at a high level for a forty year old man—that was something to behold. Yeah, but he didn't win anything. He ain't win anything. Yeah, this right, is for right. the winners. And, and this is all for the most part. At least two of them, besides Muhammad Ali, those are team sports. So you have other people to lean on and try to, you know, and, and George Foreman. And George Foreman. Yeah, yeah, George Foreman too. Right, right, right. Uh, but no, looking at looking at what Tiger Woods did and what he has done to be able to come back to, man, this is it's phenomenal what he did. It's phenomenal. I, I got one last entry, but it's
0: still going along with somebody I just mentioned. It's George Foreman. And it's not even defeating Michael Moore uh, 20 years later at 40-something, almost. I think it was 50, around he was there, 50. That nobody expected. Mm-hmm. It's after that coming out or co-signing with the George Foreman Grill, which could have been the Hulk Hogan Grill. Yeah, it could have been Hulk Hogan. The racist grill. Yeah. Grill your, grill your meats on this racist. Hulk Hogan, <laughs> I, can, I can smell the
3: hate. But, uh, <laughs> do you smell them?
0: Do you smell them ribs, brother? <laughs> but uh, look. That's the biggest one, how he flipped it with the George That's bigger than what Tiger did the Masters. Did George Foreman
1: grill was bigger than what Tiger Woods did? Man, we, I know you had one in college. I, 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 mm, no, I had one when I first moved out of my first but apartment. But you get
0: the point there. Oh, yeah, but somebody had one on the floor. We was living off those George Foreman. Yeah. People
1: was like, man, you got to- yeah. They still make those? They still they still
2: got them?
0: Or yeah, so? that's some, definitely. It's Now it's just the a panini, panini press. Yeah, the, the It's a the panini, panini guy press. Guy yeah, yeah, it's just a panini okay. press.
4: Yeah, I think uh, looking at this Masters victory, like you said, D, Tiger was playing really well last year. I mean, even though he would find a way to fizzle out, whether it was a major tournament or just a regular tournament, but he had multiple top 10 finishes. He was, I believe, FedEx player of the year last year or was the tour player of the year or came close in the running. And then this year, when he beat Rory McIlroy in that match play just a few weeks before the master started that, I think, caught golf attention because Rory was the hottest player on the tour at that point in time. And Tiger beat him with really not much of anything else in his pocket because he wasn't very good in that match. Did he be filling that pre preview thing? No, Phil, I think, won that, mm-hmm. if I remember that correctly. But that was just a bunch of yeah, was having fun. trash out there. But I would say, in terms of historic, I mean, I think you could put this up there with any individual in terms of this redemption i mean that side by side with him hugging his dad in 97 then hugging his kids in present day and they never saw him win a major before they just knew tiger woods was great i thought it was just sensational what he did and how he was able to like you guys said wear out all that good town brooks kepka who is going to be a real stud in golf he was able to hold off francesco molinari who is a real stud and molinari he took over the lead from Tiger last year in the what Open Championship yeah. and won that. So, really impressive for him to stay that mentally strong. Question. Do you think Tiger ha- had an idea to set up
0: the side-by-side? He knew, because it was only his son right there, right? And No, like, his daughter was there, too. No, no, no. I meant that was right there. His, oh yeah, his, yeah. his daughter was back there with, I think, the girlfriend and his mother. Yeah, He's But still, the yeah. son was right there to kind of where his father was. Was that semi-stage? Like, listen, my boy. Or the sons, I know I got to be where Granddaddy was, cause it like let's <laughs> be like you know, cause it was cause initially when they played play. it, yeah, when they when they played it, I was like, well, oh, that was a great moment, but it was like Tiger knew as soon as they interviewed him that he was like, oh yeah, that moment right
1: there, and I was like, they set that up. I'm sure CBS probably told him like, hey, listen, if you they do push win, you it. In the ass right, yeah, there. <laughs> no, no, you probably even took to Tiger before, like listen. If you win this, mm-hmm. it'll be very cool because you know your father hugged you right there. Why we, we gonna have you. We gonna have your son right there too. I don't know what's gonna happen. What you about what about it? my daughter? Nope. 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 Nope.
0: <laughs>
4: Going too far. <laughs> I like how you guys are just downplaying this beautiful moment that Tiger had out on that course, being cynical with these conspiracy theories. I didn't say that. Uh, you're sporting. No, no, no. You know that this happens. You're conspiracy <laughs> you know theorist. Thing accessory so you don't think so accessory to the fact i'm going to not let that moment at all get spoiled it matters that much to you uh, that was my first tiger major yeah. my that's first tiger you, major that's that it's not like you were 10 then you just was like i don't care yeah i hated golf i was like this is the dumbest game ever and now i'm watching the masters every year it comes up next up for grabs let's move over to the nfl hey seattle we got a deal <laughs> Go Hawks. Go Hawks.
0: But I'm going to see y'all in the morning.
3: Good
0: night. Time for y'all to go to bed. Finally, we can go
3: to sleep.
4: (laughs) (laughs) See y'all in the morning. Russell Wilson signed an extension with the Seahawks to become the highest paid player in the NFL. Assuming for a second that the best player should be the highest paid player, where does Wilson rank among the NFL's elite, regardless of position?
1: Well, I know one person he's better than, Andrew Luck. (laughs)
4: That <laughs> How long
1: is that going to last? He won't be better than him after this year, buddy. Um, listen, I am a fan of Russell. I think a lot of people are fans of Russell, uh, Russell Wilson.
0: Except for what he did
1: over the night when he
0: was sitting there with the chain Ooh. on in bed with Sierra. It was like, all right, brother. we know Well, he's flexing. Work. He's trying to say, hey, got, I got, got no money. Listen, I got chains like Robert Kraft. Robert, you think you're the only one with
1: chains out here? I, I kept her up just to do this. He, yeah, you know why she up right now. Listen. You get that contract, 100, No, how much was guaranteed? No, 65. 65 was guaranteed? Yeah. Man, listen. I think he's 30,
0: he's, uh, Airwides is at 33 33. point something. He's Uh at
1: 35 point something now annually. The Seahawks uh, last season made to the playoffs on the back of the great Russell Wilson. True, but that defense was playing better too. The defense was playing good. And also too, man, when you have a young guy. Was able to come in, he was a third round pick. Yes, he was. Third round pick, able to come in with the team with the defense like that and go to two Super Bowls. Should have won both of them, but win a Super Bowl. Show
0: he, that. he, he threw th- the interception. He I'm just saying, he
1: does not get blamed. He it's should. funny, he doesn't
0: get blamed for the interception he could have oh, no, audible no, no, no. out of.
1: He should not. I agree with you. I agree with you. He should have. I'm ha- not putting it on you, I'm putting this on the world.
4: Oh, okay. This isn't a you
1: thing. <laughs> this is the world. People are like, man, something he doesn't take a hit for that interception. He threw a bad interception. He should have audible and just gave it to the uh, Marshawn Lynch. But. When you able to go in as a young player and establish yourself as being a top flight quarterback, being drafted low, able to win, and then like really show like, no, I'm I'm not dude. He's gonna get other smaller quarterbacks no, he's at not, the same. He already did. It's called Baker Mayfield, and it's called I'm just Kyler you, Murray. He's gonna he's gonna have more. They're gonna be smaller, not smaller. We're gonna be other Ro- Russell Wilson prototypes out there that is able to get paid. Man, I'm I'm happy for him. But you, I'm happy. I'm happy for him. I'm a fan of him. Question. Should
0: other NFL? No, where, does where does he rank? He rank? Oh, because okay. he's saying he's he's paid oh. as number one, but
1: where does he rank? As he ain't the best NFL player. He's not the number one.
0: He's not even in the top ten. He's not in the top ten. We talking about players overall, or even quarterbacks. He said right. players.
1: He's Ooh. not in the
0: top ten. He's probably he's somewhere between ten and twenty. Yeah. I give you. I, I give may you be able that. to go ten to twenty three. I give you that. Yeah, I give you that. Yeah. I give you that.
1: You can look at a lot of uh, D linemen. You can look yes. at other quarterbacks. You look at some ru- some running backs. A one or two maybe wide receivers. Yeah, that's probably yeah, better. How many of
0: them are? No, you said you said you said best player. So let me ask you quick: Who's a better player, Antonio Brown or, or, or Russell Wilson? I would go Russell Wilson. But who? Okay, so Antonio Brown is a top two receiver. Russell yeah. Wilson isn't a top two quarterback.
4: Yeah, but the premium of that position, like D you said, But that's not what you said.
0: But, you said the best player.
4: But that's what I'm saying. Doesn't that go into the conversation? D said it. They rode Russell Wilson into the playoffs. The CEOs didn't ride Antonio Brown to the playoffs. Or oh, let's do this again. If you had an NFL draft, where would you draft him? I would draft him easily in the top ten. Hell to the null. No. I think he's top top at. I think he's close to ten than he is to one. But I would be in the top ten. Mm. Russell Wilson is pretty damn good. If
0: you man. had a chance to draft, uh, well, let me ask you this. So we already know Brady is higher than him. Yeah. Rodgers is higher than him. Yeah. Aaron Donald's higher than him. Yeah. Khalil Mack's higher than him. Yeah. Is um what's his name? Uh down in uh Kansas City. Quarterback. Oh, Patrick
4: Mahomes? Yes. Patrick yeah, Mahomes,
0: Mahomes is Mahomes. definitely is
1: higher than him, right? See, I think it's hard to now I you to get in the
4: gray area with
1: that. I
0: haven't, I
4: haven't finished. Wait a minute,
1: but but I but I will say this though. You're bringing out um you said Donald, you know, you uh you you mentioned uh, Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Julio Jones.
0: Even now we may say because Julio Jones is getting up there, I think Julio Jones is better than him.
1: See, this is the thing, though. I think I think it has to be. And although we already say this, it's a premium on the quarterback position. It's the how much they? Position. How much they affect the game? You can't ride in the playoffs and well, on the back of Julio Jones. You can You could. Pro- you could probably say it with a Khalil Mack because how much he affects on the defensive side of the ball. But if you don't have, a, if you have a, a trash quarterback, how much is Atlanta
0: man. lived off of,
1: of Julio Jones? Not
4: touchdowns.
0: No, no, that doesn't matter. You, the 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 game plan is based off of him. Listen, made Matt a Ryan. Matt made Ryan a Super Bowl Matt Ryan
1: is a scrub without him, damn near now. If you take away what he did yeah, initially, yeah. So I'm just I, and at the same time, too, the quarterback is the most dependent position because I'm, everything out, around you, and you have to have the you got to put the ball there, but you also you got to have the it. the, the receives not debating him. that, but I think
0: still when we're talking what? about best players, he's listen to saying a. In a, in a a league that carries as many player per team as the NFL that he's in t- from 10 to 20 I don't take that as anything if that's you're bad. a
1: GM and you have a you have a choice between a quarterback who you can have for the next 10 years is going to be an elite cuz I, I would say that Russell Wilson is an elite quarterback top five. Is, a, is, top an elite, five. is an elite like Tony yeah, said in the background. is an elite is an elite quarterback mic. or a Tony loves top or a top 5 wide receiver which one are you taking I would take it. I think you're going to But see this
0: that goes to my point. That helps my benefits my point. Because everything you're saying is valid. That's But the only thing I'm saying now to go along what you say, if we line up the top five receivers, the top five defensive linemen, Mm -hmm. the top five the linebackers slash or the top five defensive backs. Now I'm going to get take about two probably two of those in each of those categories over him based off of where he is to the quarterbacks that that are mm. in that ranking too. So that's the only reason I'm saying now if it's a league ride draft. Now y'all points is valid. If it's a league ride draft, I mean but look if we're playing fantasy, we don't go get the quarterbacks in the first round, do we?
1: But we ain't playing fantasy. We it play. is all fantasy. No, we ain't, play, ain't playing fantasy. <laughs> but if no, you're, if you're a GM. you. You're going
0: you're to want. You're
1: going to take that quarterback.
0: But you know another reason why it benefits me to keep going with this If we're going to play devil's oh, advocate. Yeah, keep going, keep going. The contract. Most teams True. don't want to sit there and True. be humstromed with the quarterback contract. Be like, give me that quarterback contract, and I'm not going to be able to build nothing after we, we do this new draft out here. What are we going to do with the rest of the team? Because I got to pay him, yeah. and I got whoever else on my What's team already.
2: Um, it don't matter for quarter players like Russell Wilson. He's part of the group where you pay him the money and you figure everything else out. I can get Matt Ryan, where you're unsure. I can get other quarterbacks outside of Rodgers, Breeze, Rivers, Brady, Wilson. Mahomes. Mahomes. Mahomes, Mahomes is in there. Um, but the uh, the other guys, I can see why you may not want to pay him that money, but those guys, they're worth it because you know they're gonna raise the level of play of the other people around them. Um having an expensive wide receiver is a luxury. Mm -hmm. It's not something that you need. You just need somebody that's fast that can get open enough for your quarterback to get it there. The offensive line I would say is more important. Than having the the running back and, and and the receivers, but as we can see, the Seahawks went to the playoffs with a trash. Uh, it was better this It was a little bit better, yeah. but compared he, to the years before, he's though. been running for his life for a long time. So he's one of those guys where yes, you can pay him that money, and it'd be worth it.
0: But wh- where do you you didn't put where you rank him at?
2: Who R- Russell? Yeah, Russell. Uh, five. Okay. In the whole league five, not quarterbacks. Oh, not quarterbacks? Yeah. Um I think he's a top ten player. Okay. Not not the ten to twenty range, but I think he's a top ten player.
1: I think a lot of people thought that Seattle was gonna be like literally done. And like you said before, he was running for his life a little bit. But last season, it kind of like really showed him, like, oh man, Russell, that, okay, all right, you you earn his money. And they, and he and and Seattle beat the deadline that they set, set amongst themselves. Like, no, okay, he set that it. deadline. I thought you said Seattle said it. No, he said. Oh, he that. did it. Oh, he said, oh y'all
4: better give me my money. He said I wasn't going to oh, negotiate it. Oh, well, they gave him his money. They believed in him. Yeah, I, I would go like what Tony said. I would say top ten for man, Russell. if
0: you don't move to the next segment now. <laughs>
4: And now for the next question. <laughs> so, since we had Sean Hyken on, let's talk a little NBA. We've been talking about the Nuggets for the last three months. And what was our question? How are they going to react when the playoffs
0: start? Yep. They did not do a good job in game one and a half. Uh, I, I don't know how they're going to play in San Antonio. You see, I mean, Go ahead, Shaq. You see the Spurs play well in both games. Uh, it's hard to beat the system. Uh, they won this game because young fella had a had a breakout, second half breakout, fourth quarter. Can he do that in San Antonio? I don't know. They are always going to
2: control the pace. They always have. They're always going to play the right way. There's little margin for error when you play this team. They struggled in San Antonio. I think they're still going to struggle. They need to get one of those games. Can they if the system off, uh, is on full blast? I don't
0: think
4: so. Every opening round NBA series started over the weekend with quite a few first round upsets. What do you make of the upsets, if anything, and do you see any upset brewing that you didn't before the playoffs started? Man, listen, that Orlando
0: victory was No. Well, no no, I don't think it's gonna be an upset. I'm just talking about victories. Um But you talking series or just game?
4: Part one of the question is: What do you make, if anything, about the okay. games? Okay, and do you see an upset brewing that you didn't before the playoffs?
1: Okay, so we, so I thought you was talking about. You said Orlando. I'm thinking you're talking about the series. No, but listen, I, I think
0: that Toronto should beat Orlando, but I'm just still saying I didn't think it was going to look lopsided. And we said this: Calari can't be Calari. And Calari has Calaried hard. Zero points. Dude, come on, man. Zero points. So that one definitely. That's like
4: tail's
0: girlfriend. <laughs> oh, that's an oldie but goodie right there. Invisible. <laughs> it's always
2: right to talk about Notre Dame.
0: <laughs> and then the Nets versus the Sixers. Listen, the Nets versus the Sixers. Now we know that the Sixers came back and won. But the health of
1: Joel Embiid mm-hmm. can kind of decide this series, man. I said that. I said, look at the Nets because I want to see how they defend. Now, uh, uh, Simmons had a triple double. He never done, like, I think he had like 18 points in rebounds and 12 assists or something like that. He They showed out, and I think that last game they scored the most points ever in franchise history. I think 140, 142 points for a playoff game. But they gave up like 130 something, though, right? The Nets can, be, can beat the 76ers. They can beat them. I don't know if they will. They could beat them. With who? Man, I, I'm he with you. Never. I'm I'm with you with Joel uh, Embiid's uh, health. Simmons, who you don't like the way he plays basketball, Tony.
2: I don't think you're a big fan of you're Simmons. You're You're avid Simmons
1: hater.
3: I
2: don't think you're a big fan of Simmons, are you? In the, in his rookie year, because I figured, oh, he'll fix the shot, right? Okay. Yep. Because you come in with a bad jump shot, you. It's like he didn't really try. There you go. So I think I think with the, the injury too, I would say your best player
1: on your team is Embiid. Yeah, definitely. And then you have Simmons, who can be kind of like herky jerky. That gives Brooklyn, who's a good young team, and they went into Philadelphia and won that first game. I would think that's probably the most potential to be an upset. You don't think it's San Antonio and Denver? I was going to say that and I know I w- and I know I kind of bigged up Denver being the second seed uh in the in the west. San Antonio was always there. <sighs> I don't know, but you know what? Maybe is that is that yours? I think it's the, logically. Is it logically you think of San Antonio on Cuz I know you're not a big fan of Denver. You you're not a fan of them I think going it's early, far.
0: It's early because I don't think I don't think they have a bona fide, when it happens and it gets to this point, I'm the guy. Because it's hard to do that with Joker, and Jamal Murray is a nice player, uh-huh. but I still don't think he's to that level yet. And in the playoffs, I'm a proponent of we have to know who the damn ball's going to, especially if we're not Golden State. For real, like we have to know who who does this become. Is your team get get him in his position that he, he the easiest way he can score. Get out the way, and you have to have that. So I don't think Denver necessarily has that. They have a lot of te- uh, depth. They have a lot of depth, but I yes. don't think they have that. And man, so that's probably are you banking really
1: on pops though? Pops' experience. I'm not just banking
0: on pop. Man, listen the white dude from the G G League that they got that's standing there for Murray since Mm -hmm. Murray is out. You look at Aldridge and we know how Aldridge can be, but he's played well the last two seasons. Yes. You look at at, at his material. He might be, and I'm not even dissing him him when saying this. You look at what, what cap has got out of uh, DeMar DeRozan this Mm -hmm. year. No, I mean, it's, it's pop. I meant to say pop, uh, but Kaepernick's on my mind. But it's, it's 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 pop, and you you do have they got some players. It's not like Chris's, no, they don't. They, I mean, they it's got, they not got like players. he has yes. Orlando. Yes, yes where yes. you'd be like, give me five Orlando players. They're the seventh seed out west. So yeah, yes. and so and that's with key injuries this year. All right, like Walker never came back. Murray was supposed to take the, the point guard role and go to another level this year.
1: Okay, so let me ask you this: now, off those two series you just talked about, Philadelphia and the Nets. Uh, the Spurs and Denver. If, if, who would be the bigger upset out of those two? Mm, I think Nashville. I'm going 76ers.
0: I would say 76ers because I think people were focused on them more throughout this year than Pop. Pop and the Spurs have been in the background. They haven't been in the forefront mm-hmm. while the 76ers were in the forefront before the season started and it was magnified after each trade.
1: I agree with you on that one.
4: Yeah, I like uh, the San Antonio Denver series for the upset. I really thought Denver would get this first-round series. Mm -hmm. I thought San Antonio, like, as we kind of talked about, LaMarcus maybe doesn't show up in the playoffs, even though he's been better since he's been in San Antonio. DeRozan, is he that guy in the late in the game that you can trust? But like you said, Ken, who's the guy on Denver that you trust late in games? And they don't have that. And now they don't have home court advantage in this series. Good point. Pop now. Pop is just – he's so good at playing matchups, and we know – What are the playoffs? It's all about matchups. So I slept on pop a little bit, and I feel bad about that. Yeah, you definitely did, and Tiger Woods. I didn't sleep on Tiger. How old are you? I am almost 30. Yeah, you should know, but you should have watched some some Tiger Woods back in the day. Well, but if you're biased against to watch
0: that black play. I'm joking. You <laughs> <laughs> said like black guys winning. I'm definitely not going to tune in. That's
4: not golf.
3: <laughs> good one. Good one.
4: <laughs> and now the last up for grabs question: you Darvish and the Chicago Cubs. He notched his second win ever as a Cub in one plus seasons. <laughs> Even with the win, U Darvish somewhat struggled, only went five and two thirds. Has U Darvish had the worst start of any big name free agent in Chicago sports history?
1: Ooh. That's a good one. No. Nah. I'm thinking the start of Albert Bell on but the south side. He took off. But he took, eventually he took off, but I'm talking about the start. You yeah, said the start, right? The start was right? bad. The, start was, the bad. start was bad. I'm trying to think is anybody You talking about like a big time free agent he coming made here? Maybe number
4: a 1, free but agent. I uh, It, it it's, can be even acquisition if you
1: want. This is the thing. I'm thinking Brian
0: Cox with the Bears. Yeah. That's a good one. I'm thinking uh Ben
1: Wallace with the Bulls. Ben Wallace was
0: robbing the Bulls, boy. He was like he still had a piston uniform. Up but under it that was bad so boy.
1: much of the turmoil, I think, from the front office. The whole thing with the headband. I mean, dude, it just—he was not the same right. play. He was—he
0: was not a defensive player like that. Is all effort. Yeah, he was not the same dude. It was rebounds for him galore to go out there and. He was like, I'll take eight, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, uh, and then again, I feel I still think you because one, it's 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 right there in our memory. It's recency bias. So, but also, I mean, you was giving the Cubs nothing. So he he, he could easily be – and I, I think we're – I know
1: I'm missing some people. Wait a minute. Hold on. Who was the Bulls player? Was it – Rodney McRae. No. Rodney McRae. He had the braids and he won them a 32. Uh no, 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 no! You're talking about Eddie uh, Junk- no. no, you talking about Eddie Robinson. Eddie Robinson. All, all Jaguars. Oh, all his contract was spent on Coogies oh, and Jaguars. My God, they thought they had something. That dude had nothing. That's a good one. Eddie Robinson. Was Eddie Robinson might be the one. It was a good one. He could jump. Yeah.
0: All he wanted was Jaguars and Coogies sweaters. <laughs> it's like you want to get paid cash. He's like
1: Jags and Coogie sweaters. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody else though. That's a good question. I don't know. I, I've i never been a UDAR fan. David Wells. On the South Side? Mm hmm. Yeah, that didn't, that didn't work out. Uh, too what's well. his name? Uh, Milton Bradley? Oh! That. Detroit Hawkins. Good one.
0: Now, he played well for this team a little bit, but he almost killed the fan. Tony Phillips ran yeah. into Yeah. When he took his uniform off and went into the stands, like, you still talking?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, who was the Cubs pitcher? That they acquired, and he got—I think they was playing Atlanta. Maybe he went walking. It was in the playoffs, and he got a home run hit off of him, and he threw his mitt on the ground like, God damn it. Oh, who was that? He didn't really too, do too much that season. What year was it? Uh, it was the early 2000s. I can't think of his name. That's the only thing I remember about this dude. I think he had a—you know, I take that back. I think he had a social so year, I think they made it to the playoffs that year. So I, I take that one back. Um— I don't know, man. I Like I said, I, I think I, you probably has to be at the top of the list. You was on W. They should have never signed him. I said it the day you signed him. He don't did. sign him. He did. It, it was. It's not a good look, and he, he cracks, and yeah. is not. This is second win in two years?
4: Well, Damn. One in X months.
1: Damn. Yeah. They right. they jagged that money, boy. They did. Can I say that? They did. They did. I just said it anyway. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to talk to Maya Akai from the show. Uh, in turn four but Ken Ken and I both in turn four yeah yeah right but we did we did <laughs> <laughs> we'll come on back talk to Maya Kai about you know that's Chicago baseball one team both same records but one team looking up another team looking down we'll break it down some more D& Davis show
0: yo what's up this is Rashid Hadid and you're listening to the D& Davis show yeah d and davis show and right now we're joined by maya kai you can always find her weekly daily rather on the weekday or during the sean and maya show in the morning you can check that out on her facebook slash sean and maya snm in the morning Maya, how's the show going
6: It's going very good nice. very good and a lot of stuff going on um, a lot of great guests um more things are coming so yeah it's good stuff
0: how did you, and for anybody that doesn't already know, how did you and Sean end up together? Because, I mean, of course, me and Dee remember you from uh, you and Farouk's show. Yeah, I interned for you for many years. And then Yeah, yeah so I tell tell our listeners, because we want them to start tuning in daily uh, to check out the show, how you and Sean got together.
6: He actually was um, a guest on my show when I was on WVON 1690, the Sports Cypher, everybody remembers that, mm-hmm. um, with Farouk Sear. And how he got dialed in, though, is, for anybody who might know the name of Dami T. Pongo, he's like, hey, I got this sports show on VON. You should, you know, call in and be a guest. And it's been history from there. We've been working together and doing projects ever since then. And that was, like, back in, geez, like 2015.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, he was on when I was interning?
6: Yeah. You probably don't even remember. You know, we had so many different guests We on. did? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He was he was, he was was a call-in guest. He never came in studio. He was a call-in guest. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right, let's get to this baseball. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't know. Looking on, I, I want to do South Side and definitely North Side, but starting on North Side, And I, I guess okay. us being Southside fans, we're probably not as upset because we didn't go into the season expecting a lot. Mm-hmm. But looking at the Cubs now, and you, you got right now pitching, we're not going to give the score, but you got Jose Quintana, who actually performing well, but usually on his, his second game after having a quality start is usually horrendous. When you're looking at this pitching staff, Maya, right now, and, and of course you had a good game finally uh, yesterday. Who are the guys, and, and it's funny because me and D had a, a, a debate about you, Darvish. D wasn't for it, I was, and right now D's right. Who are the guys that you think are salvageable, salvageable this season and w- will perform well enough to get the Cubs at least into the playoffs in this pitching rotation?
6: See, you know what's funny about Hugh Darvish? Um, when the Cubs picked him up from the Dodgers, the Dodgers, you know, via the Rangers, the reputation that came with Hugh Darvish was buyer beware.
3: Mm-hmm.
6: That. He can be good in the regular season, but is going to be spotty when you need him the most. And the Dodgers got experience that firsthand one season, and Delton said enough was done. He literally was fantastic in the regular season, got the postseason, key games in their World Series run, and he folded like a chair. But that being said, that reputation has followed Hugh Darvish for quite a bit. So he may be stellar. He may find his rhythm in the regular season, but that's not when it's going to matter the most. It's what he's going to do in the postseason. And unfortunately, he has something in common with Carl Edwards Jr., which is they have very soft psyches. Mm. And it's unfortunate because when you have exceptional skill set, a great arm, but you have, you know, your are weak between the ears, that's always a detriment to pitchers. So it'll be interesting to see if he can shake, you know, his postseason kind of negative mojo that he has and do better. Um, but if you remember... Last year, the Cubs had a very similar start. Their pitching was really slow. Um, Hitting was there. It was timely. Their starters were just not hitting on all cylinders. Hendricks had a very slow start last year. John Lester was relatively even keel through the stretch. So this looks a lot like last year, to be honest. But the difference is, okay, you'll have a healthy Darvish, and you also added Cole Hamels into the mix. And, that's the part, it's weird, you know, it was today I said, wait, did I, did I look at standing and see that both the White Sox and the Cubs are at 6-9? Did yeah. I see that right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was funny because that's not a narrative we thought we would see starting the season this way, especially on the north side. So it'll be interesting to see if, if they can shake off kind of the early season blues across the board, get it together, it's getting warmer outside, start to pitch better. But one of the things you also have to keep in mind with the Cubs schedule, it was very heavy with 500 or better teams for the beginning of the season for them. So it was easy for them to get behind the eight ball because of the fact they were playing red-hot teams. And that's not, you know, obviously that could be a detriment if your pitching is struggling to find its rhythm. But you're right. From a pitching standpoint, they look good on paper. Lester's always going to be reliable. Hendricks will work it out. You hope it just doesn't take longer. And then you look at that rest of that rotation and you say, okay, they have to get consistent and they have to get consistent soon.
0: Dan Davis on the line right now. We have Maya Kai, co host of Sean and Maya in the morning. You can check them out at, w- at Facebook.com dot com slash Sean and Maya. Uh, they're on um, uh, uh, Elliot's uh, radio station.
6: Yeah, we're there Monday through Friday. Logic, 99.
0: logic. I'm sorry, I, I blanked on logic. We love Elliot. I blanked on logic. Maya, wait, I've seen you. I've seen you debate on Carl Edwards Jr. Maybe last week on Twitter and. You were right.
3: You yeah, did. <laughs> you were. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you, and look, and it's funny with with someone that you respect because it's like, oh, I got to check this one out. Right. So you know, you just go into the thread like, mm, okay, Maya. Look, and you were t- you were talking about, and you weren't someone that was just talking about recently. You were talking about going back years about the the mental weakness uh, that you just pointed out of, of Carl Edwards Jr. And I hate to be someone that's talking about body language, but even when you looked at that Atlanta game, and I remember watching it, thinking like, oh, he looks shook out there how can he – do you think he's going to be able to come back and be a stable force in, in the Cubs' bullpen? And add to that your thoughts on what we found out today of the importance of the the, the racist IG messages that Carl Edwards reported that he was receiving.
6: You know, it's it's interesting because here's what – you look at Carl Edwards Jr., and he looks like he's about 12. He's yeah. 27. So that's the first thing you have to put in perspective as everything has a shelf life But when you think it should start actually – producing something and you're not still working on expectation. This was a season that the Cubs felt, given the amount of starts that he has had at the major league level, that he should be doing better. And I don't think that was a wrong expectation, given the amount of time they've invested with him at this level. But when you manage to get a 32 ERA, and if you know anything about ERAs, I was like, in four games, he had a 32 ERA. That means he did absolutely nothing. Seriously. Um, and every stat from Wong, um, all those things that make up ERA, he was horrendous. And, it, you know, this was at a high expectation for him. And he's always been very mental. It's like when he's on, he's hot. When he's off, he's walking everybody. And that's part of the problem. They were looking for him to be more consistent, especially with Marl not being available yet, that he got from the Dodgers last year. And there was, a, you know, Strope was out, but then came back and he's not fully being used. It was like, okay, can we lean into Carol Edwards Jr.? And then you lose Mike Montgomery for a bit. So, you know, there was an expectation that he was going to be reliable. And I don't, I don't know if he just doesn't do well under pressure. Maybe it was too much at this point. Um, understand this. Even with, if you're getting you know, messages on you know, social media that are negative, people have to learn that comes with the territory. You have to be thicker skinned. And I'm going to be honest. If somebody's throwing shade at you with somebody you don't know and you can't process that, shame on you. So he needs to be on somebody's couch getting therapy. And I said what's crazy about this is he's already mentally soft at the major league level. It was a blow to him to have to go down to the minors. I don't care what anybody Oh, does. yeah. But so, so he has to work even harder to say, I wasn't even good enough at this level. and They sent me down here. You know, so he has to perform. And here's the thing. He could go down to the minors and blow everybody away. And think about it. He should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. It's never indicative of how good you are, or what you do in the minors when you get sent back down. It's like, well, you should be overwhelming everybody. And you should be better than they are because you've already been at the majors. And you've seen so much a higher level of talent. So I understand, you know, it's, it can be difficult when people are saying negative things at you. But if he's this soft skin, it's really a problem. I, you know, I don't know how you work with somebody who is really legitimately that mentally soft, and I work in the mental health field, because it's like at some point you have to understand you're here because you belong here, and adversity will come with it. And you have to learn how, how to adapt. And if not, then perhaps you're not cut out to be a major league reliever pitcher.
1: Maya, if you was a Cubs fan... And you're looking at this uh, division they're playing right now, with Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, and St. Louis are doing very well. They're over 500. Would you be shook? Like, man, you know what? Uh, maybe it's not our year again.
6: You know, I always, I know plenty of Cub, Cub fans, and I'm always, I'm always a person that even though I'm a Sox fan, I I love baseball. Mm -hmm. And I think from a perspective of I watch everything that teams do in the offseason. I even watch other teams when they're not playing the Sox because I'm always curious. Like, you know, I want to see what the Padres are doing. I want to see what the Phillies are doing. You know, I'm a Dodgers fan as well. I'm always watching the Dodgers. And so, to me, one of the things I said early on, this will be the season for the Cubs. If they win this division, they've legitimately earned it because their playing field has been it has been leveled in their division. Milwaukee is no longer in development stage. You've already seen that. They've gotten better, and they've started consistently. St. Louis, this is going to probably legitimately be a bounce back year for them. They were doing it last year. So now they'll get back to probably where you're used to seeing them play at a higher level. I said, and then you've got those other teams like the Pirates kind of surging, and the Reds might always kind of be in a weird position. I mean, so they've got a lot of teams respectfully in their division that are good. So if they win their division, and I'm not one to say they will, I said if. I said, because I will not discount or discredit anybody else's ability, because one thing you'll find if you listen to out-of-market out, out of market games, there's this fascination that everything in Chicago is the best thing since sliced bread. Well, I want you to know, in every other market, they feel that way about their team, too, especially when they're good. So with that being said, it can look good on paper. Yes, you have talent, but so does Milwaukee. So does St. Louis. You know, a lot of other teams are equally as good. So I don't know that you should necessarily panic right now if you're a Cubs fan until Let's say you're getting deeper into May, and they keep getting deeper in the hole. Then I think there's a source of, okay, we're through May, it's nicer weather, it's June – you know, if you're not making up that ground and your other teams and your divisions are still winning, then that's when you may look at it and say, this is going to be complicated. Though I still don't think they're going to be a bad team. And is it possible they could still be in the playoffs? Absolutely. But it's not going to be as easy as it was in that World Series year and those years after. This will probably be the most competitive year that organization has had and the biggest challenge that Joe Madden's ever had, knowing that he has a very talented club. But guess what? So is everybody else. So this is like the year that'll be very interesting on the north side, without
1: a doubt. D and Davis show Maya Kyle on with us right now, recording right here at Six Seventy Score. Maya show Sean and Maya in the morning. Make sure you follow Maya on Twitter at that sports chica. Um, the sports chica. I'm sorry. Um, so let me ask you this: you, you brought up Joe Madden. Is it a? Do you think the Cubs are doing him a disservice by not extending him, or would you extend him if you was in the front office of the Cubs?
6: You know what's really strange? It's like everything has a shelf life. And it is hard to believe that Joe Madden could possibly have a short shelf life with the Cubs considering that he brought something to to the organization that eluded them for 108 years. And he did it within the timetable that they were trying to achieve that goal with a lot of really young talent with a sprinkle of veteran players. So it's hard to believe that he's not good enough to manage the team. I legitimately don't think it's about him being good enough to manage the team. I think it's something more about him and and management or ownership of the team that don't see Mm eye-to-eye. And you saw a very similar situation with the Blackhawks. It's not that Joe Quinbo wasn't capable. There was clearly some type of dissension between him and that management piece. And, you know, part of the conversation, and we had on Bob Nightingale on the show a while back, and he was talking about, you know, Joe Madden is one of the few managers that commands the kind of dollars and the kind of autonomy that he does. And you have someone like Theo Epstein that really likes to be in control with everything that happens. And when you have a manager like Joe Madden, it's not as easy to kind of achieve all the things you want because he has a certain philosophy and things that he wants to do. So do I feel they did him a disservice? Yes and no. It's like, you know, I don't think they question his ability because they still won 95 games last year despite not making the playoffs. Think about how rare it is to win that many games and not make the playoffs. Yeah. So it's got nothing to do with that. And that was, that was the roster that was injured. He was making substitutions and changes and all those things. I think they, it'll be interesting if they feel, because if you look around the league and you look at what happened in Boston, and it creates an interesting you know, narrative that Boston has this first-year young coach they're not doling out the dough to, and he gives them a World Series with a talented roster. Some people think that kind of thing is easy to duplicate. I beg to differ. But I think that if he's gone, if they don't have a good season, I think it's easy to give him his walking papers. But he's also going to probably want some certain demands that maybe Theo Epstein isn't going to be willing to give him. And I think that's where the friction is. I don't think it's his ability. I think it's how they perceive how the team should be constructed
0: to play. Maya, do you think, and it's funny you mentioned in Boston, and it makes me go back to Theo being there, and we, we you, you listen to some of the things that Joe said as far as taking away some of the time he spent with the media prior to games and kind of focusing on the team and the the, the early start of the team instead of kind of waiting to mid-year, not saying they were giving away games, but really playing for every game. When, when you look at where this team is at now and as you mentioned like if they don't do well we already know Joe Maddon's going to be gone so let's just say they don't do well what what do you see as the Cubs' plan? So, of course, they still have a, a ton of talent, but they may move some of the ancillary parts like Zobris, uh, definitely uh, Cole Hamels, and, and players like that. What do you see the fix going into next year? Because as you mentioned, Boston, and we had on Bobby Valentine like two weeks ago, and I thought about the Terry Francona is too light on him, and you, you bring in Bobby Valentine, and it didn't work, but he was supposed to be the disciplinarian. So what moves on the team? Do you see them doing a quick rebuild, reshuffle rather than not a rebuild? And what moves manager-wise? Because you mentioned Joey Cora. Would it be young manager, or do you see them going out and getting someone that already has a bona fide name to be the manager if Joe's not here next season?
6: It's interesting because, you know, you went not got Joe Madden, which was the bona fide name, and it went. So it's going to really about be about who is available. Now, what's interesting is that, yes, they are going to have to make some, some changes with some of those ancillary pieces, but their farm system technically is depleted. There's nothing to reach back and bring up. Yeah. All those pieces are up. And, and they've matured and they're playing well in you know, Bryant and so on and so forth. Um, and they still have that challenge. And when those contracts come due, the pit bull, you know, a.k.a. Uh, Scott Boris is not giving Chicago a hometown discount on, on Chris Bryant because he's due for that big payday. So they got a couple things coming up that will be really interesting to see how they navigate it. Um, but it's interesting because I think it's going to be like who's available. I don't think that Steele would necessarily be adverse to getting someone that's cut their teeth because he probably feels good about what he saw Cora do in Boston. And Jerry Cora comes from a very baseball, high-IQ family. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that fit was good. I mean, he was a guy that was so immersed in the game and really had been, you know, mentored to do what he did. So if he can find someone that he can feel confident with, that I'm not saying that it doesn't happen and he won't go that route. But there's still – look, let's be honest. The Cubs did nothing with their bullpen, which everyone's like, you, you know, you still need some help in the bullpen. It's it's, it's still your Achilles' heel, mm-hmm. and it's still showing to be their Achilles' heel. And, and, and Theo took accountability for that and said, you know, that's my fault. I probably should have done a bit more, even though I think he thought – this was only going to be a short-term problem. If they could get Morrow back and Montgomery was pitching like Montgomery, he probably thought they could weather this storm until they got you know, Morrow back into the mix or actually just inserted him in the mix. So the bullpen is going to be issues that have to be addressed. Um, the pitching staff, you know, you can't keep relying on Lester. They did lock up Hendricks. Um, if Quintana has a spotty or inconsistent year, now you've got to figure out, well, he's not the right fit. Who do we go get? Um, there's all these pieces they have to look at they're going to have to fill. And what's interesting is if you know a lot of teams decided to get ahead of the curve this season, and if they had anybody who might go into free agency that they thought was worth it after seeing these very lofty contracts with Machado and with Harper, look how many players have found contracts this season that didn't have to do it. So a lot of what could be available has already been snapped up. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle and fill a lot of their voids. Because if this pitching staff doesn't shape up and do better, that's going to be an issue because what do you do with you know, Quintana's spot in that rotation? What do you do with John Lester, who can probably still come back and pitch, but he's not going to be putting up the numbers that he possibly did, let's say, last year or the year before? So it's going to be interesting, and those are things you can't necessarily put on Joe Madden. But the only thing you can put on Madden at this point is they've had some games where there were mental mistakes, where they weren't playing solid bat, you know, baseball. But beyond that, everything else for him has probably been clicking the way that it should be. The offense has been scoring you know, and things of that nature. So it's more about the pitching staff that has been their detriments or their errors at times.
0: It's funny. I agree with you. And I, I again, have to compare it to Theo in Boston. Because one of the things that I didn't expect for it to happen as soon as this happened here, because the, the the Cubs had so much talent in their minor leagues that they brought up. So you didn't see them outside of definitely Lester and, and Hayward. But going it's hard in the free agency, and it makes me think when they, they brought in, and it wasn't it was some of it through trades, but still a Carl Crawford and Adrian Gonzalez and all those players and it, they really never turned back into that initial Boston team that they thought they were going to be. And you just said it; it's not on Joe Madden, but I would think it has to be on Theo. And again, I was with them signing you uh, Darvish. But when you look at this, the Chatwood, the the you Darvish signing the last season, and look at the, who was out this year, and that you weren't even on the field for those guys. And we know even those guys got crazy contracts outside of, of Mike Trout, but. Really, what Harper got, he could have gotten more if the Yanks, the Dodgers, and the Cubs were involved. It seems like Theo and Jed have, especially the last two seasons, been really underperforming because they missed the boat, and it's a big miss because it looks like the pitchers that they brought in last year are somewhat going to be bust moving forward.
6: Yeah, the pitching staff, like I said, it 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 looks great on paper. You you've seen them later last season; they looked good. Like I said, rough start like last year. And so I'm, I'm not willing to say, for me, the verdict is not in that they're not good enough to be able to keep them competitive because this looks so much like last year, except for Cole Hamels was in the mix. We were forced to watch Chatwood be the crossing guard for everybody who came up to the plate. Like, here's a walk, go right to first base. I mean, so there are some things that are different. So if, if Cole Hamels can keep that lightning in a bottle that he had last year and bring this in, mind you, he didn't pitch with them a full season. So it's like if, that, if he can keep that, that same lightning in a bottle he had and it shows up when they need it to, then I think everything's well. This is also a season for Quintana when you talk about your value and your worst. He absolutely has to do better. He has to be more consistent. Because Here's the thing. There's there's the pitchers I like to call spotty brilliance pitchers, that you will see them have a game where everything is clicking and you know that's exactly why they're in the majors. But then you'll see another three performances negate everything you just saw. Mm. And unfortunately, Quintana is like that along with Lucas Giolito and some others. So it's like this is a season for Quintana. You can no longer be saying you're enabled because you are an organization where you are not surrounded by talent. I, you know I, what I mean? You are surrounded by talent. So now you should be taking it to that next level because the expectation is so much higher. But maybe that's an issue as well.
1: Maya, I can actually say they have I, – I can actually say the same thing about Cole Hamels and UDARP. I think they got three guys like that you look at coming across – uh, from other teams are coming here eventually, especially with Cole can maybe kind of like the twilight of his career. Maybe a twilight, but kind of... Look, uh, yeah, look at twilight. yeah, on twilight. On, on the other side of his career, they have three guys like that. If you have three stars like that where you just don't know what's going to happen with them throughout the season, that's not a good makeup. You're not probably going to have a good season. Also, too, a lot of their young players, can we actually say they have already hit their plateau? So where else do you go?
6: Well, you know, it, it's interesting that when you think about Rizzo, you think about Bryant, you think about Javi Baez, you know... To me, Javi Baez is probably one of the most dynamic players on that team that people respect him, but I don't think he gets the respect that he should. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because this is now what we're seeing from all of them This is probably what you can expect them to be at the MLB level. I'm not saying they've hit their ceiling, but I'm like saying the chances they're going to get better than what they are is probably, I'd say, you know, a 10 to 15 percent they improve. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, where their skill sets are right now, this is is who they're going to be, which, by the way, isn't a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination because, you know, Bryant, before getting injured last year, he was set to have career numbers, you know, and to improve upon where he already was. So you can't expect for them, people sometimes forget they were really young, but they've been playing at this high level for a while. So this is really the type of MLB players that they're going to be at this level. So you're right. So You look at this and you figure out, then you've got to deal with how that's Addison Russell. He'll be dealt someplace else and have to redo redemption, You know that, that, that penance someplace mm-hmm. else to get on the field. But besides that, you look at everybody else, is Schrober really the right fit? Even though he's tried hard to be you know, as good defensively um, as he can be offensively, but when his offense falls off, you scratch your head. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is not going to fit. He is when he You've is. got Bodie. you got so many pieces that they all have to perform at a certain level if this is going to work. And the question is, is it good enough?
0: Dan Davidson on the line, Maya Kai, follow her at the Sports Chica. She's the co-host of the Sean and Maya show. You can find SNM on Logic Radio and also on Facebook. Watch it every weekday. Maya, real quick before we jump into the socks, you mentioned something and it's been on my mind. You look at the contracts that Ozzy Albies and Ronald Acuna Jr. and Eloy received and also snailed down in Tampa Bay. And then but and, and then at the very top, when you look at Mike Trout, uh, Manny Machado, Aaron Arenado, and so on and so forth, getting paid. Before, well, during this this, this uh, hot stove season, a lot of talk was where well, gonna, there's going to be a strike. There's going to be a strike. Have the owners done an end around and somewhat averted the strike? Because the young players are already going to be signed. The young hot names are going to be signed. And the Supreme Big Dogs are going to be signed. It's the the B-plus players, uh, you know, the, the Kikesells and Kimbrels that are out there in the cold. And will there be enough of those players to get the union to do a strike vote, do you think?
6: No, because when you get certain contracts, so so what the the teams have shown, we're not stingy. Mm -hmm. We're willing to pay if you're worth it. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But what will probably be the biggest contention or sticking point for the new CBA that's going to come up is service time. Service time has been a beast for a lot of players like Bryant, you know, and think about Baez. I mean, just look at the Cubs. The Cubs literally have had control of their destinies for a long period of time because they actually blossomed and excelled really early. And granted, they paid him here and there, but not nearly what they would have paid him had it not been for service time. And then, you know, that kind of doing those type of extensions. That'll probably be the bigger sticking point, just because Brian, think about it, could have been getting paid much more money. What? Think about it. His best year was his World Series year, and yet he wasn't eligible to have a windfall of cash because of his rookie contract. So I think they're going to really be looking at rookie contracts and service times and things like that. Like, these these processes go on too long for the players. They need, they need a shorter window to be able to maximize their, you know, you know, the best time to get paid is coming off of a great year. Yeah. And if you happen to have that, you do that as a rookie or younger, but yet you're locked into a contract, a rookie contract, most of them have, that's the one thing that definitely has made Chris Bryant grimace is, like, the money I clearly have left on the table because I was, I was locked into a rookie contract. To me, that'll be their sticking point. And I think enough teams, if they don't want to... Baseball can't afford another strike. They can't. Because it really, really hurt them the last time around. They're going to have to be flexible on this. And one way they've shown willing to work with players are these absolutely absorbent amount of money they've played to a lot of
0: players. My, I tell people that in the streets and they poo-poo me, so I'm happy you said it because your voice has more authority than mine's. <laughs> Real quick, let me ask you, uh, speaking of young prospects, listen, going into the season, I have to admit, I, I thought Yoan Mankata was Joan Mankata. Mm-hmm. And I- 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 being someone who's been an athlete like yourself... Uh, it, when you look at your Mankata, it, from going from second to third, is this a situation where one, it just took time for him to kind of figure out as he as he has the beginning of the season, or could a positional move been a factor in why he's playing so well?
6: Well, a lot of it is when you look at the numbers. It's just, I mean, last year was hard to watch because he has a great plate presence. In fact, he's a great eye. Mm. But the one thing he struggled to adjust was sometimes, like, yeah, you're right, that probably should have been a ball. But you probably still need to swing at it. It doesn't matter, you know. The strike zone, you know, it expands and it contracts every single time you get up there, depending upon who the umpire is. So they said they kind of gave him the green light to kind of get comfortable with that, and hence I think coming into this season, he has a better idea of how this all works. I mean, you got to remember, him coming to the Sox, you know, he didn't get the type of playing time, you know, before he got here. So maybe it just took that one season because everyone kept swearing. That this was going to be something. This was going to be big. And you kind of kept feeling like, well, when is it going to be big? But some people said this would be the season, it, not so much about the positional move, but hey, that could always be a positive thing, too, that we would see him take that step forward. And he did. So maybe it was just having that full season to get acquainted with different types of pitchers, learning what your plate present is, learning how to, how to, how your strike zone is different. I mean, that's a learning curve that seems so easy for us to think that, well, how many pitches do you have to get for this to work? But he's very methodical and has a good eye. And for some reason, I think that patience last year paid off this year.
1: Mike, you're talking about somebody who's having a breakout year as well on the south side. Tim Anderson right now hitting 453, leading all Major League Baseball. Uh, maybe not signing uh, Manny was a good thing because now he feels comfortable with right there at shortstop. But just talk about Tim Anderson, man, and, and and how he's been playing so far this season.
6: Tim Anderson, again, a steal the White Sox got for him and the contract they got for how he's performing yep. right now. That's advantageous when you're on the upside. He also seems like a really humble fellow, though, on top of it. You know, he just seems like the person that would never ask for too much. He's just really nice. Um, but it's interesting. This is a continuation from last year. Jim Anderson spent a lot of time off the field improving in so many of his skill sets at the plate, his defense. He wanted to get better. and He spent a lot of extra time beyond just, you know, team practices, working individually with the trainers to improve. And if you think about it, we saw him trending this way last year. It's just a continuation. He's taking that next step forward. And I'll have to say this. I honestly feel I see a little bit more of swag with Timmy. Mm -hmm. seems a little bit more confident. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Confidence is the one thing that will make you play better or it can make you absolutely be the worst player ever if you don't believe that you're good enough, if you don't believe that you can be better than what people say. And you know what? Think about it. Real talk. I'm a Sox fan. It's hard to be good on a sorry team. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, takes, it takes a lot of effort and energy to keep yourself mentally dialed in when you're on a team that's losing. Seriously. It's, it's hard. But he, you know what? To me, he looks past that. And you know, they're six and nine. So I keep teasing them like, we'll see if they get back to five hundred, but you know, um, I'm not holding my breath on it. But I think for him, he legitimately is just focused on being better. He's on he's a traditional humble baseball player to me. He's like old school baseball to me.
1: And that, that's the two good things so far on the South Side, but obviously like you said before, that's six and nine. What are some of your concerns with the White Sox?
6: <sighs> Jesus. Um <laughs> you know, well, when I saw the pitching rotation, I was like, "This is anemic." Are you trying to be funny? I was like, you know, Rodon, who I still have faith in, mm-hmm. um, and I, he said something I liked. When he got the, you know, the ball to be the opening day pitcher, he flat out said, "Look, I didn't earn this." He goes, "I'm just kind of a person that's supposed to give it to because of my time here." I like that in him, but he's like, "I haven't done anything to earn your respect," and I think he still he comes into this season with a chip on his shoulder, and I, I, I personally feel if he stays healthy, knock on wood, and I, I feel like he, he will. We haven't seen the best of him, and it's okay. I don't need to see the best of you in April. I need to see the best of you in the stretch. Mm-hmm. So I'm not worried about him. Um, Gialito was a point of contention for me last year, and he's a point of contention for me this year. Yes. Um, between him and James Shields, I'm like somebody's trying to give me an ulcer. <laughs> I mean, and James Shields, I used to like just turn off the TV and walk away. Seriously, <laughs> I didn't watch it. I felt like that was punishment. I was like, you're gonna know, punish us? You're gonna be bad and make me watch this too? But but Giolito, which bothers me, and he went through this whole thing. He went out to driveline in Seattle to relearn how to pitch. And I was like, well, how did you forget? You know, they, like, put all these, you know, wires like he was a marionette puppet. And he went through, you know, mechanics. And I was like, this is insane, but okay. Um, he came out, had a game, okay, had a game, well, again, body brilliant. You're like, okay. And then he came out the very next game and went right back to being the Giolito that we know. I'm going to flat out say this. In the long term, I don't see him as being in the pitching rotation. But it doesn't matter because Ray Lopez and Giolito were almost like, you know, pass, go, collect $100, because we traded Ed Adam Eden and got those guys in that trade. Mm. So if they don't turn out to be much of anything, the Sox really didn't give up a whole lot in acquiring them. And Giolito was a high prospect. He was a high prospect, you know, within the national organization. Um, Ray Lopez, to me, is off and on. There are times I feel like he's getting it. And I will say this. He can ride his ship sometimes when he does get out of sorts. And I think that part's important. But for those two, I don't know if they're in the long-time picture. And the rest of this, I'm trying to figure out why Irving Santana is even in the rotation.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah, see that? That was bad business last
1: night. All right, so my last White Sox question, um, I just want to ask you about this. Uh, With the season going, and it's looking brighter than we thought it was, was going to look. Jose Abreu, do you think he's going to finish the season with the White Sox?
6: Oh, Absolutely. He's an integral part of what makes this this young clubhouse tick, um, you know. And he has, you know, last year was that he didn't hit his numbers because of injury. But you no, know, I I think there is a desire for the organization to have them there. And it isn't like he is not producing. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah. I can't imagine that he wouldn't be there duration of the season. I can't see that.
0: Look, real quick, one question D wanted to ask you and forgot. He wanted to ask about the NABJ event that took oh, place at yeah, Guarantee yeah. Rate. Yeah. How, oh,
6: yeah, yeah.
0: how was that? Uh, let us all know. You were on the panel yesterday. Kyle was out there. How did it go? Uh, what should we know about it, us blacks that weren't in the house? Sox Game Changers. Oh, it, was,
6: it was fun. It was Game Changers, um, sponsored by the White Sox. And uh, Modelo was one of the sponsors with NABJ and the Black PR Association, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, And it was based around using Jackie Robinson Day as kind of the platform to speak about, you know, I guess you could say sports, activism, um, obviously the conversation of race plays into that. And so they kind of, you know, picked some some questions at the panelists, which was myself, um, Xavier Pope, um, Rashawn Johnson, and Fred Mitchell was on it. Um, So different types of people in different fields doing stuff. Um but all pretty much radio related. And just kinda of threw us like, you know, kind of how we felt, you know, what what do we think sports activism is? Is it really appropriate to be in the game? Hmm. Um, who do we think are game changers right now that are, you know, you know, kind of falling into that role or that vein of like Jackie Robinson? Um and stuff like that. So it was it was, you know, we by all means, it wasn't a panel of people who all I mean we had similar thoughts but we all definitely had some different different ideas about stuff. So it was very candid and open and it was great. I mean that's something I, I loved about the White Sox. Um they really just put it out there like, have the conversation. Um, you know, we respect Jackie Robinson as an organization. Um they've always been an organization that's actually employed actually a lot of minorities. Um so it, it yeah. it's really yeah. interesting. So no, it was a really good panel. Um I was having the one person who probably said something about Kaepernick that people like, Oh I'm like, Well yeah You know, I just you know it was it was fun. I, I just said that People need to know the difference between activism and being an advocate. They're two different things. Yeah. I said, if you know anything about activism, being an activist comes with a cost, which means if you look back at the civil rights movement, people lost jobs and lives for a cause. I said, when you're an advocate, you want to bring light. You want to shed light to something. You want to create awareness. It doesn't mean you're looking to maybe sacrifice everything. And I'm not sure when Kaepernick kind of began this, if he understood. And even though he did the research, he talked to veterans. The 49ers knew what he was doing. Um, and I'm not sure if they really in their totality figured out that this was going to have an adverse effect. So I will say his initial kind of taking in me was during President Obama's administration. Yeah, it didn't yep. heat up until we got into a presidential election period with Donald Trump at the time. And things heated up and he started pointing it out. Donald Trump has always been dialed into sports ever since the AFL kind of gave him the, XFL, sorry, gave him the cold shoulder. He's always never forgot that. But I said, you know, the thing that bothers me about the Kaepernick situation, because I'm a, I'm a person that believes in social activism, is that you started a very important conversation about how black and brown people are policed. And you stepped away from the conversation. You allowed people to make it, take it from center and make it about an anthem protest. And it was never about that. And I felt like we got away from a very salient conversation that still needs to be had. And then people start talking about he's being blackballed and all this other stuff. I said, well, that's, that's not what he took a knee for. I said, and I hate to tell you this. I could have told you that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was upset that I felt like people we stopped having the conversation. So guess what? Black and brown people are still being policed inappropriately. And the voice of the platform you had to create awareness didn't happen. And there were only with a few NFL teams that wanted to kind of go away. And maybe they're trying to be conscious. Like Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they actually had a day where they had their players and police and they went to the community. They wanted to start a dialogue. And, and that's the part I think that's sad about this. I said a lot of athletes are not prepared. To be activist because that comes with a sacrifice and you have to ask yourself that sacrifice might be your income are you okay with that? Yeah. So I, I think that people heard what I said um, some agreed, some were like well you know but he was doing the best and said no he got away from what he took a knee for and tell, him. A problem.
0: tell him Maya, that's a, just a taste I of it well, I, I, I knew, knew, knew you shook up oh, the wrong Oh you knew that, I had to ask, I was like what did you say Maya who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you disagree with? Well, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's <laughs> the taste of The civil
6: rights movement decided to move away from the initial cause, guess what happened? Nothing Yeah. You got to be focused on that. I just. You know, every every person's not meant to be an activist, but it, we have lots of people that are advocates, and I think that's a great thing. Yeah. Just know how to stay in your lane if you ain't ready to really do the job, That's all I say. There
0: that, you go. That's a taste of what you're going to get on the Sean and Maya show every morning. Make sure you check them out. <laughs> you can find it on Facebook at Sean and Maya. Uh, also, she's going to have something coming down the lane where they're blowing their business out, and we're going to have her come back and talk to it. Maya, you got to kind of come back yeah, you semi-regular. In studio. Yeah, you def- you got to do a flip. Yeah. you got to come do a flip and curse us out.
6: Oh, you know, we do a flip. You know, I am I am like the jack of all trades with conversation. Yeah, you yeah, are. You
0: got to, we're going to you know, schedule that. We got to do it before yeah. you got to do all your clinical stuff then. So it needs yeah, to be yeah. before the summer. So within a month, yeah. we're going to reach yeah. out to you, but you have to come in and do a flip on a Saturday with us because there's so many things we can talk about and it'd oh, be good yeah. to have you just smack our faces and tell us what we're
1: wrong about.
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. I would enjoy it. I'm sure we would have a great time for sure.
1: Yes, we will. Thank you so much, Maya. All right, well thank you. All right, thank you, Maya, so much for hopping on with us. Hey, make sure y'all follow y'all listen to Maya on Sean and Maya in the morning and follow Maya on Twitter at the SportsCheek and we'll come on, wrap the show up, D and Davis Show.
7: What's up, Chicago? This is Chris Sosa from Red Eye, and you're listening to the Dean Davis show.
0: D and Davis Show. Last segment. We had a terrific show. Thanks, Sean Hyken. Thanks, Lawrence Holmes, and thanks Maya Kai. Well, thank them again at the end of the show and let you know where you can check out any of their works. Uh but look, a couple of things that have ran across. Uh Demarius Thomas has signed with the uh Patriots. Pretty good fit. Him and Tom Brady giving him that tall receiver if he's healthy. Remember he got hurt. If he's healthy, he also had that car accident. One wonder um passengers was really hurting it out in Denver. But uh he signed with uh, the Patriots. So that That makes sense. That makes sense. Sp- I mean, but is that an adequate replacement? No, it's not before cool. Bronck being gone.
1: Oh, no, no, no. Nah. I mean, but you know what? It's once again, the Patriots literally are like the Raiders, but the Raiders, but the but the Patriots are good. Remember the Raiders just sign, you know what I'm saying, veterans coming off it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to give them another try. Let's go, let's go, let's go. But the Patriots are able to get guys and put them into that system, and it just works. And the Patriots just won the Super Bowls this past year, right? Yes, it did. So adding Thomas to the mix, another tall receiver, definitely gotta, not definitely not going to replace Gronk. But um, but they're gonna keep on chugging. I mean, Gronk was out a lot too. I mean, he was injured a, a lot. Now, when he was on the field, I think a lot of people probably argue that he's probably. I'm gonna say he's the goat of all tight ends. But he's probably a, at least a top three tight end of all time. At that, and and he played nine years in the NFL. Yeah, but only two of them was full. season. And two of them a full season. And he was able to produce like that. Could you imagine if that if that guy would have stayed healthy? Yeah. Oh my god. Would have been crazy. You're probably untouchable. Probably untouchable numbers, so uh, but no, that's a good sign of by the Patriots. They did they they they're, they're doing what they always do. They're being the Patriots.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's a guy that has a Super Bowl mentality, mm-hmm. and basically he's gonna play with two of the greatest. Got a ring all too, time. right? Got one with a uh, Manning. Man. Manning, right? Yeah, right? yeah, right. So I mean that's definitely it's crazy just to think about that. Porter Mosley here at Loyola Chicago. There was uh, talks earlier today. I heard it in the Lawrence Holmes show. He was debating with Tony and Eli and Campy. As far as Shipard Mosley stay at Loyola, uh, they said that he should go to St. John's. One because it's the they Big did? East. They did. I yeah. didn't. I missed that because it was the Big East. And how long is he gonna have a chance? Because you gotta think. St. John? It's the Big East, bro.
4: But St. John? The theory is if he wants to get to a. Top level, he's got to take this job. Yeah, and to get so to because this, how long are people?
0: Ahead. How long are people still as as Loyola? It doesn't seem like they're going to be able to replicate what they've done in the past. It's still easy to get players to come and say, "John is a Big East school." How how is he going to keep his name hot to the point where he can well, get that job? So that's why they're saying that right now his window, as far as his name recognition, may just be two to three years, and he has to strike while the iron is
1: hot. I get that, but. I've I've said this for a while now, with basketball especially, football a little bit too in college. The eyes are going to, they're not, okay, it's New York and Chicago, yes. You have two private schools. They kind of like, I kind of think of St. John's like I think of DePaul. Like, yeah, once, and like the, once upon a time, they were the team, yeah. and they're not there. If that was the case, he could just go south and just go one night. Well, yeah, south and just go to DePaul. No, if that was the case. You had a choice between St. John's and DePaul. You just, would choose
4: St. John's.
1: DePaul didn't want him.
4: They want to
1: stick with Dave Leto. Oh yeah, Dave Little is back.
4: I don't know. I th- I just I just think that
1: you it's have Loyola Chicago. D huh? It's Loyola Chicago, bro. I know, but that ain't that ain't. If real. I'm if I'm leaving, it's like the '60s. If I, but if I'm leaving, we're not breaking the color line. No, no, no. I know that. But if I'm leaving. I would want a better job than St. John's. Is that just me?
0: Well, they also was talking <laughs> about giving him an eight-year contract, though. Oh, damn, I didn't hear that. How and much money
1: he was gonna make? And that's how Lawrence Lawrence
0: changed his mind when he heard that point.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how long. Supposedly he's making less than a million at Loyola right now. What and we gonna get? Chris to get? Mullen was making two million last year with St. John. Chris
0: Mullen. he's in some. Won't, they won't give him Chris Mullen money. But he was probably gonna get 1.5?
1: Well, damn it, he's something, he decided to stay here.
0: One thing Josh Friedman oh, always told me is Sports Feed, uh-huh, yeah. that Porter mostly comes from money, so that doesn't mean Oh, it much. doesn't mean anything? But guess what? Rich people like money, too.
1: Porter, yeah. I don't know. I just think if I wanted to, mm, I'm comfortable here. I ha- You just told me I have money. Oh, he's never, he could so, stay there forever. Yeah. And and you know what? I will say this. Will we ever see the time when someone like a Coach cage just started at Duke, this little small um private school in Carolina, North Carolina, and tournament to the powerhouse. Will we ever see that again? Is Gonzaga kinda like that? Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yes. I mean they haven't Mark won a cha- people, They haven't won as many championships. Mark, but still. Have they won any championship? No. They never won a but championship. But still,
0: people will kill to have Mark Few. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's true. That's so, true. Definitely. But, 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 I know uh, I was reading in the athletic Jerry Stackhouse was talking about doing that at Vandy and I was like, you're not staying.
1: There. But that's my whole thing though. <laughs> what can can we get back to that? It's like, okay, you wow. have something and go ahead I'm just asking, can you do it? I'm just saying you got it. You know but one reason why cool. you may
0: not be able to? Because a lot of t- t- schools that in the past didn't have expectations now. And look at Danny Ferry and uh, Danny Manning at uh, Wake Forest. This and they, mm-hmm. they had to basically come in like, hey, man, you better get it straight. Man, look look at Avery Johnson at Alabama. yeah, You know, and Chris Mullen at St. John's. Now that could be Chris Mullen more than St. John's. But you have these That's schools. You have the I know. You have these schools now and they expect more from their coach. So it's easier to get fired than what it was back in the days. But are we but do we think that Loyola is expecting that from Polter? No, that's why we okay. say he can stay there forever. But it's Loyola Chicago, though. It's not should, even Loyola Merrimack. But you could be
1: like the team in Chicago.
0: No, they can't. Why not? Because that that what he
1: How you poo pooing that man?
0: What he has, he's only gonna be able to have Maybe – now, it, he may have a window of, of two years, but maybe every four to five years – like, that takes a lot. He has to get the right players in there. Of course, now, usually those players are going to stay. But what we always but say about – they may not even develop into what necessarily he saw when, while he was
1: recruiting them. But what we always say about Chicago – Chicago puts out some of the best NBA players, right? They we, – we, we breed basketball players here. Mm-hmm. Northwestern don't uh, recruit him. DePaul don't recruit him. But he's UIC. the top
0: Chicago players, though.
1: But this is my point, though. He's getting though. the three-star recruit. But, but this is my point. I would like to see him stay and change it and make it into that. Okay, That's all I'm trying to say. I'm not saying that he will. I don't think he will. I think if another big-time team, another big-time school come around and say, like, hey, we want you—yeah, he's probably gone. He just didn't want to go to New York. I don't know why. We just don't know. But I'm just saying I would like to see that happen— and you're in a city that has it's a hotbed of high school basketball talent. It's there for you, so why not try to tap into it and get it to come there?
0: because they don't want to go. They would be like, "Man, I've been out here balling my life. You want to go, little hell no."
1: Don't you think somebody said that about Duke at
0: one point? N- that's not the point. No, I'm just how is that the point? I'm just saying it would be nice to see him. <laughs> it would be nice to
1: see him build that into it. That's all I'm trying to say. And then you know what Duke did? They got Johnny Dawkins. Who's the Johnny Dawkins? Johnny Dawkins was the first guy to put them over the top. Big, first big recruit for Coach K. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. But why can't Because Porter do that? Because uh, it's Loyola. I'm sure somebody said the same and thing. And also oh, think
0: about this, too. Duke was in the ACC. That's attractive,
1: at, even at that time, to know that who's going to see you in the competition you're going up against. We can't, we can't see, another, you can't see Loyola, Loyola moving to another conference? We already saw like ruckus move so to the kiss. big ten. They can move. People move conferences all the time.
0: Okay. I don't think they're gonna be moving to the type of conference that you're saying that they can get more eyes. I don't know. Am, I'm am just I'm asking a question. Like this, I don't know. I don't know. How has moving how has it helped the Paul?
1: DePaul isn't, they're not doing anything. But
0: though. I'm just saying, moving into another conference, you would think it would improve recruitment. Improve it? No. It still depend. I mean, you brought it up, up to here in to Chicago. Do, it's up
1: to you to do recruiting, though, Ken. Nobody you know that. Wants, it's up to, to you. Nobody wants to stay here
0: and if they have a chance and they have a big enough name to go someplace
1: else and play basketball. It just doesn't sound like we're trying hard
0: enough. Maybe it's also some school
1: requirements, too, academically. That's. I think that's definitely a bigger point. But look at Michigan. Michigan is a very good school to get into. Uh, A very hard school to get into. But Michigan get talent all the time. Look at Stanford. Duke is hard hard to get in. But
0: Michigan doesn't get top flight recruits. Stanford doesn't get top flight recruits. The only Mm -hmm. one that gets top flight recruits is Duke because they're Duke.
1: Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky. You still have But I mean,
0: as far as you know, their academic standard is higher. And clearly we know Duke is cheating with the academics. Let's be honest. Yeah, I
1: agree with you on that.
0: So, I mean, it's not even Michigan to extend to Michigan outside of the Fab Five as far as probably is being stringent with their uh, curriculum when it comes to the players coming in and sometimes flaunting those rules like that.
3: Yeah,
1: I don't know, I'm just asking the question.
0: And Zach Miller from the Bears today announced his retirement, saying that he was physically unable to return to the form mm-hmm. that he was before that incident that took place in the Superdome, correct? He was in New Orleans when that happened. I believe so, yes. Yeah, he was down in because he stayed down there. Yes, yes, yes. That's he pretty sad. New um, phenomenal athlete. Injury prone. I hate to say that when when he, he, his career is over through such a drastic injury. Mm-hmm. Shout out to those. It's uh, pretty inter- interesting articles about how they end up saving his leg yeah. by going to the, the hospital that had the experts to, to take care mm-hmm. of him. They went to another hospital he probably would have been amputated. Mm-hmm. So shout out to him and shout out to all the work he's put in to try to get back and the fact that the Bears, and we know they would, have let him still be a part of the team and use the facilities to do it. Uh, but it's pretty sad because, again, he was if, if you had a nice number one tight end, he was a, a sweet little number two tight
1: end with how he could stretch the field You put him up there to run up that seam as long as he stayed healthy. This is from Mitchell Trubisky's uh, Instagram page. Uh, really dude I ever met. Love you, bro. Honor to call you family. At uh, at Z Miller eighty six. The honor is uh, Zach replying. The honor is all mine. It has been one of my greatest joys being your friend and teammate. To watch you continue to grow and lead It's a special gift that was given to me. Thank you for being there for me. I love you too, <laughs> brother. <laughs> okay. I was just together one year season. Champ sticker. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I mean, listen, but...
0: He I, must have liked he, the cut he, of his jib a lot. I, <laughs> he's like, I like your style and your profile.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Zach was around. Zach, I think, for, I think was almost sort of like a coach. I wonder if he to keep around. This season. I wonder will he can stick, stick around and be like kind of a coach for the Bears.
0: Hopefully. Hopefully it's... it's and I'm not putting this on the Bears. Hopefully it's no Johnny Knox situation.
1: Yeah, maybe Zach Miller could just stick around. Uh, one thing I will say about... Definitely, the two sports franchises here uh, owned by Jerry Rice: the White Sox and the Bulls. The Bears seem to be very loyal to the to their, to their former players. Uh, now, I think now I think it has I think it's changed a little bit, um, but they seem to be very loyal to their fan, uh, to their former players. And it wouldn't shock me if we see Zach Miller. One thing: athletes when they play here, they usually stay here. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be shocking if he actually just stayed here and uh, maybe be a part of the franchise going forward. On the coaching side of it. Whatever he wants to do. He may not want to the daily rigmarole.
4: One last thing that I wanted to bring up. Um, but, uh, the Bears signed Elliot Fry from the AAF.
3: Oh, Elliot Fry?
4: <laughs> yeah, Elliot Fry. You've heard of him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Household name. old name? <laughs> Kickers, about South the other Carolina.
3: Day.
4: <laughs> he was with Orlando, the old ball coach. Come on. Oh, yeah. But uh, what I'm curious, I wanted to get your opinion on from you guys when you're looking at, uh, let's say, Robbie Gold, because you. Kind of brought this to my mind. D. He still lives here. He lives out of his hotel in San Francisco. He didn't sh- show up for Forty ers camp. Is that something that the Bears should it's keep an ne- eye on it's at negotiation. all? Negotiation. Yeah. they remember, signed
0: somebody, didn't they? Remember Gratkowski, There were rumors that perhaps the Forty ers were going to sign Gak- Gakrowski, and guess what happened? And his agent probably put those rumors out. And then finally, the Patriots signed him. This mm-hmm. is just. This is just. He wants to. He Negotiate doesn't want to play him. on that franchise tag. He wants to get paid. This is he's not, the, and the Bears are willing to pay him, wasn't it? I meant, but he wants. I'm the saying free yeah, He wants the 49ers to pay him. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if the Bears are looking at giving, even though they definitely need a, a kicker, they know that, but I don't think they want to give maybe five million dollars a year to a kicker. Because is that what he's asking he's for? He's Probably gonna be somewhere around that. It may be four to five, but he he's the top three kicker in the league. He's been the most accurate since he left the Bears. So Mm. he's, he's going, and it's probably better out there and even come here with the winds at Soldier Field. He can always come back home, but get paid. He said his family's going to stay here regardless. This is, I mean,
1: he's from here though. Um, it'll be interesting to see, or maybe. Is he from here? I thought he's from, I I thought he's from the area. I don't know if he's from here. Oh, I thought he's from the area. Did he go to school around in the area? He went to Penn State. State. That's right. He went to Penn State. It's Penn State. That's right. Um. No, it would be no, interesting. you went to Loyola, <laughs> <I'll be quiet>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep you here, Robbie. I'm um, not going to St. John. Um, it'd be interesting that I would love to ask, although I think they'll probably say no, but you look at the Bears, the, the offense, we think, will probably take a step forward. Mm-hmm. We think the defense is there. Take a slight step back. Yeah, I mean, you go. So how, it- how can you play to that level?
0: For the most, oh, you talking, de- talking
1: about the defense? Yes. Yeah, okay. Slight, okay. Slight step. But but, I mean, we but,
0: don't know how Chuck Pagano is going to coach that. True, defense but you're hoping that the offense takes a, 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 a big should. step. It, right? Logically, uh,
1: Trubisky should be better than last season. But to think, maybe I would let to ask like, do you just think you're a kicker away? Because this, I mean, you just be honest. If they had a good kicker, they probably would have went pretty far in the playoffs. Yeah, but dude, could they you think they honestly Mitch was say, ready, though? yeah, but?
6: True. I think this ah! year
1: you could say that. But that's what I'm saying, yeah. though. That's what I'm saying. Like, is the kicker, which is crazy to say, is the kicker the cherry on top? Would they be willing to pay? Like, man, listen. That's the one thing we mentioned. Like, we think we find just about everywhere else. Money's tight. It is tight, but and, I want to I mean, think you, just when to gamble on it. This is the They're thing. saying. Yeah. Say,
0: Cody Parkey is more of an apparition. Like apparition is being what? It's be, bad. Yeah, like. Hitting the pole, goal post, four kicker's, kickers go can go really bad. And next, the following year, be pretty good. How long was Robbie Bad here? Was it a season? It was a se- season and a half. Season and a half? Season and a half. The season before, he had missed the Sometimes couple. you might want to ride that out, yet, though, right? Yeah, but see, the problem also, remember that Ryan was, Pace didn't draft him. True. Uh, you can also say that maybe he's a locker room lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And John yeah. Fox didn't really. What was the need to put up with a kicker? Kicker to do that. It's like having a closer on a bad team.
1: But you look at it now. He had the bad season. That not even bad. It was just not up to Robbie Gold. Standards. And why I pay him that money too? Why? So again, it was I a would mistake. I love to ask that question. That was it a was mistake. a mistake. It was a mistake.
0: But at that time, you 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 could kind of see. Even at that time, I didn't think they needed to go part ways with him because kickers go through that. Your, if you have a kicker for 10 years, he's probably—now, maybe it's, you could say Vinatieri, you could say Gratkowski, but he's probably going to have a year where he's not as, as, as accurate as he was in prior seasons. If you
1: knew that was the cherry on top.
0: Would I sign him? Yeah, would you I would sign him. Sign him if I knew was, but I don't know if that's the cherry on top. Because okay. you got to also think about this. We they Yeah, they had injuries last year, but they didn't have significant injuries. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So you were talking they, about— They were lucky with that. And how, what's the chance of them being that lucky this Again. season? All right, and also— with Vic Fangio, we don't know how this defense is going to play without Vic Fangio. All right. So it's going to be interesting. Now, and going along with what you said about the offense, not just, and I said Mitch Trubisky, not just Mr. Trubisky should be a better, but all these players that are another year in this offense, so they should be more activated mm-hmm, to the mm-hmm, system. Mm-hmm. So that should help. I, mean, I would think, like, i the only reason I'm saying a slight regression on the defense is because usually, and that doesn't mean they're not playing to the same level, but usually you, you're going to probably get that. And they're looking at they're going to be a more, even though they were terrifically opportunistic last week. But when you look at Ha Clinton year. Dix, thank you, last year. When you look at Ha Clinton Dix being what was quote-unquote supposed to be the strong safety, you're basically saying we're going to be out here fishing for balls in the back back here or whatever. Because if you're asking that dude, and I'm not saying he, he, he won't play better against the run than he did in Green Bay, but if you're asking him to be stout against the run, that is not that dude's play action. So yeah, that's true. It'll just be, it, again, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be easy to say that, I think, the meatball in this is like, just bring on Robbie, but it's kind of like... That. I don't
1: think it's a meatball. I think it, I think it's a good move, but as you said before, the money is tight. If the money wasn't tight, I think they would have tried to sign him.
0: But look, if you're really a pro-personnel pers- person, shouldn't you be able to find... I mean, Robbie came off the streets. Yeah, that's true. Most that's, great that's, kickers come off the that's streets. True. That's
1: you true. You should be able
0: to find that guy, and you should be yeah. able to find a guy that has his are stronger than where Cody Parker's is. Yeah, but
1: if it's sitting right there in front of you, and you know what it is... Go ahead and give him that money. All right. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at D&DavisShow. Once again, it's at D&DavisShow. You can listen to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Pitcher. I said Pitcher. Stitcher and the TuneIn app. Uh, YouTube as well. Definitely. YouTube. Check out the shows on YouTube. Uh, let's see. In uh, Facebook.com forward slash d and Show. I'm on Twitter at Demons1. Ken's at That's Davis. Ryan is at Ryan B. Ski. Tony, who just... Creep back in here. It's Tony. Oh, I stuck up for you, too, on uh, Lawrence. I said I'm Team uh, Oatmeal Raisin. There you go. He said, he said I'm hanging out with you too much, but I don't know about that. And Ryan's in, uh not Ryan. Oh, yeah, we got Ryan and Guy at uh, Pay the Guy.
3: There you go.
0: Yeah, thank Tony. Thanks God. Thanks Ryan. We really appreciate it. Shout out to Sean Heiken from the Bleach Report for joining us. As D just told you, Lawrence Holmes from the Noons at six seventy school where we record. Shout out to Mitch. who uh, was on uh, this episode and also Maya Kai. Listen, if you don't know Maya, follow Maya Sports Chica. Yes, she's not just a great woman sports personality. She's a fantastic sports personality in general. Uh, make sure you check out the Sean and Maya show. And Sean is pretty dope too. So make sure you check him out too. Uh, listen. We're going to be, I don't think we're going to do a Saturday flip. So, as of right now, we're not doing a flip on Saturday. Ryan. As of right now, we're not doing it. So, we're going to take a break since D's going to be out of town.
1: I'll be driving back when y'all would probably be doing it. Okay. We're
0: going to take a break from the flip this week. Uh, but we'll be back with the Dean Davis' the show next week. It's going to be just as good and packed as this show was. You see, all our guests mm-hmm. gave it all and gave us. Appreciate the amount of time that they gave us and working with us. Definitely appreciate it. So you're going to get another Dean Davis to show. Then we're going to come back and probably have a guest on the next Dean Davis to flip. So just stay tuned. As D told you, follow us on social media, and we're going to up, keep you
1: updated on all. Yeah, of we that. got a lot of people reaching out. Like, hey, what's up? Let me get on the show. Let me Cameron get on the show. Smith,
0: mm-hmm. shout out to Bree with Swank. Uh, she's going to bring us some people to come on. We're going to have uh, former. To have
1: Maya, former
0: Media Lounge. Uh, Heather. Co host Heather is going to join us with her her new show. And like you said, Maya is going to join us. Mm-hmm. We got to get on that. So, a lot of people. Shout out to the city and all the people in the city that's been rocking with us. We definitely appreciate it because it's not like they have to do it. Uh, listen, as I always say, before you hear from us again, don't do anything stupid.
1: Keep your hands to yourself.